Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, a bi-weekly show that is released every other Friday. This is episode five. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And this is our Christmas horror hodgepodge episode of sorts. And I am your host, Jay the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave Becker a.k.a. Dr. Shock from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Joshua Legary, Wolfman Josh, also from Utah. All right. Good job, you guys. So, uh, you excited about Christmas? Very. Very? Yeah, it, it'll be, uh, it's really sneaking up on us quick. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not even convinced we had a November. Do you guys remember it? I know, right? <laughs> I remember eating my Thanksgiving dinner, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> the highlight. <laughs> right. Well, I tell you, the most wonderful time of the year, Jason, it it really is. It really is. So in the past couple of weeks, I've really guys, I just got to say up front, I've sucked my my uh, ticker. I have a heart problem. It's not major usually, but uh, it's been really uh, knocking me off my game and stuff. So like most of the stuff I intended or wanted to cover tonight, I didn't even get to, to be perfectly honest. And now, Dave, I understand you've been pretty busy as well. Is that true? Yes, it is. I my uh, my full time position. This is a a busy time of year. Hardcore. Um, yeah. So it's 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 really been. And then of course toss in that I have the blog where I have to watch a movie a day uh, <laughs> and write about that. So it really does um, limit the time. Um, I'm keeping going, and it's uh, you know sometimes I, I'm 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 moving on uh, four hours sleep, and then every now and again it'll just catch up with me, but. Uh, <laughs> It's definitely been a challenge, but it's also been a, a, a good time. Like I've really enjoyed doing the podcast with you guys, and uh, I look forward to doing it um, you know, whenever we get together. And we haven't gotten together in a while. I mean, um, the last one was the HodgePodge, yep. or the last two were HodgePodges. I don't think, Josh, you and I talked since well, episode two. No, and this is technically a HodgePodge as well. So, Right. We're not going to have another full episode for until when, Jason? <laughs> to look at the schedule actually boy we've got two more episodes we've got our big 70s special yeah yes. and then we've got and then after that right is the first is the next big monster cast right yeah and that's are we doing that's where i'm are we doing the with the vampires that's what we're yes, doing sir. in that one yeah that's your pick dave you that's tell right people the, about the, that sort of the um i can't remember exactly what i called it but we're looking at the at vampire movies where um you know not the vampires are, are more uh, animalistic. creature-like. Yeah, more animalistic. Thank you. That's the way to put it. Um, you know, it's, uh, do we say the movies now? or If you want to, yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. Uh, go we're, ahead. We're, go looking, we're looking at um, the original Nosferatu. Um, we're going to look at um, Salem's Lot, the 1979 um, miniseries. And I believe uh, 30 Days a Night. Right. That's awesome. the third one. 
Yeah, and no. we even talked about doing possibly Stakeland as well. Right? That's that's right. Yeah, Stakeland would have uh, would have fit right in there. As a matter of fact, I lent that uh, to a coworker recently, just on a recommendation, saying to check it out. And she actually thought there were zombies. She didn't even pick up that they were vampires. Oh, interesting. So That's so used to so used to vampires being, you know, either. Um, yeah, you know, like the Bella Lugosi type, or you know, she's a bit younger, maybe the glowing in the sunlight vampires. Um, you know, not real used to them being this way, so she came away thinking that that it was zombies. That was interesting. Wow, <laughs> that's interesting because I mean, I think that was definitely. Well, we, we can talk about this more on the episode, but I think that was definitely the intent of the filmmakers as well to kind of tap into. A style that is typically more reminiscent of a of a zombie movie style. Yeah, definitely, and and it, it definitely comes across that way. But the fact that they're vampires, I think, is what makes it so fascinating. I think so too. Yeah, interesting twist on the vampire thing. Well, yep. Josh, it it seems like we should definitely include Stakeland in there, just because we had actually intended we were lined up to do that on episode eleven. You know. <laughs> Of Horror Metropolis, and, and we just dropped it. We just didn't do it. And um, I think we should squeeze it in there if you guys yeah, don't I, mind. I, got, I have no problem squeezing that in there because it does fit. It, fits, down, in, yeah. it fits in perfectly with uh, with those other movies. Eventually, I want to do a Vampire Slayer episode, and so I'll have to give that an honorable mention. But, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, um, I got a question for you guys, though. I I have had the hardest time... Was Salem's Lot, the 1979 TV movie, was that ever um, put on DVD? I own it on DVD. It's gone It's it's gone sort of out of print. It is out there. Um, I was able to pick up. I was lucky. I, I always keep an eye on Amazon, and I was able to get a used copy of it for like 10 bucks. But yeah. it is out there. Yes, it, it is I've out there. I've got it, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, didn't seem hard to find to me. I just... Look for it, and there it was. Really, yeah, because I yeah. I used to own the VHS of that, by the way, okay. and I don't I don't remember what happened to it, but um, yeah, so maybe I'll come over to your house that night, Josh. Okay, <laughs> I just invited yeah. myself. There I think there's actually even a newer, like I think I got like the old paper, you know, you know when the TV cases used to be cardboard, oh, yeah. the Warner Brothers cases. That's what I've it got, is, yeah, like the snap case. Yeah, uh, exactly. I but I think there's even a newer it. version that they re-released since then. There might be. Now, it's interesting because when I first saw that, they had recut it, um, you know, for almost to, to make it, because uh, it was a three-hour miniseries. Right. They had recut it to present it, I think, almost like a two-hour movie. That was what I originally saw on cable back in the day was the two-hour version. Right. The three-hour, a lot of what they cut out is filler from the beginning where with the characters and the and the, their interaction in the town. Right. Um, they cut most of that out. But even with that in there, even with that filler at the beginning, which, you know, as far as, you know, from the vampire perspective, it moves, it moves a little bit slower. It still has, my God, every time a vampire is on screen in that movie, it is just so creepy. Wow. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you see that a lot with those made for TV movies, especially, I guess they're all Stephen King's, but you know, right. his, his work is so long that I think you see the longer cuts like the of it, for instance, is the one that always sticks out in my mind. I, I really prefer the, the longer version of it personally, but mm -hmm. right. 
And I, I, I heard on a podcast recently, it's very interesting. I just wanted to throw this out there to you guys. Um, somebody who had said, you know, obviously with The Shining, um, Stephen King uh, was not happy with Kubrick's version, 1980 right. film, because it, it deviated so far from the book, you know, from, from what his original vision of the, of the book was. Right. And he was more in line with the miniseries that came out in the 90s starring right. the, guy, the guy from Wings, right. uh, Stephen Weber. Uh, do you, now, I heard on a podcast recently, now I, I've never read the book, so I don't know. But for me, Kubrick's version of The Shining, I honestly don't see how the book could have improved on that. Well, I mean, I the think way the Stephen, story was presented. I think Stephen, they're just different. I think Stephen King has a way to really, that he really sucks you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people do complain that he overwrites. You know, there's a lot of filler in his, in his writing too. But there's some interesting things. Um, that, you know, I, like for instance, The Maze. I really love The Maze and Kubrick's version. In in uh, the original book and and also in the Steven Weber film, and there are these lawn animals that come to life. And that's a cool concept. It just is totally different, you know? Right. So, and I and I don't think that would have worked at all in, in, in Kubrick's right. version of it. It's a little bit too supernatural, I think, for what he was. Well, no, I mean, I shouldn't say that. The Shining is a supernatural movie, maybe a little bit too... Um, Fantastical? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the word I'm looking for, for okay. what Kubrick was was shooting for. Yeah. So uh, what was your question, Dave? What did you want to I ask just, us about? I was, my, my question was just because I hadn't read the book. Um, oh, okay. What, what your what, what, you know, if either of you had read the book and if you had what your, what your take on it was, and it seems like Josh has read it. I really uh, love the book. I, I love, love the book. I think mm-hmm. the movie, the Kubrick movie is, I, I like it as an adaptation. Obviously, Cooper brings his own thing to it, which I really, really appreciated. Um, I don't mind the TV miniseries either. I think it's it's good in its own way, but it's definitely, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't stand up to the classic uh, film by, no, by that, any means. That's what I'm saying, because for me, that'll always be the, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, I don't know that I could go and read the book now and right. enjoy it. After right. seeing the film, you know, because the, the movie was just so incredible. And I, you read about what Kubrick would do. I mean, he was so meticulous. And I think Stephen King said he'd get calls at two in the morning from Kubrick asking, do you believe in God? You know, trying to work all these <laughs> things out of, of how he was going to design this movie and what he was putting in it. And there's an awesome behind the scenes documentary shot by his daughter. Yes. Um, during the making of it, where you see that poor Shelley Duvall, the hell that... <laughs> This guy put her through, um, and, and that, that "Do You Believe in God?" story is the coolest behind-the-scenes story I've ever heard of. The Shining, yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that that's. <laughs> but Kubrick was obviously known to do that. That was the type of filmmaker he was. That's why he made so few films, but the ones he made were just uh, classics. I mean, you could you look over his entire filmography, and and even if you get some that you don't always think, you know, like. Um, um, well, Eyes Wide Shut, a lot of people right. have problems with at the end there. But you look at his other movies, and it's just, wow, it's just like one in, one amazing movie after another. And, and he was going to do AI, you know, artificial intelligence that he turned over mm-hmm. to Spielberg. And if you watch that movie, you can see, see these sort of, you know, uh, Kubrickian, for want of a better word, yeah. touches in there. You know, you, you, could, you could spot them. And, and it's funny because Spielberg says he's, he always gets uh, – 
people always give him a hard time because of the, the sort of upbeat ending he had the, uh, that that movie has. But he said that was one of the things that was in the Kubrick version that he just kept yeah. in there. You know, that, 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 that was going to be a Kubrick's version as well. I would be really curious to see Kubrick's version of that movie, though. I bet it would be just a tad more disturbing. Instead, oh, yeah. Instead of quite as touching as it is now. But I, I, um, I agree. I, agree. I, I actually like Eyes Wide Shut a great deal. It's a mm-hmm. difficult subject matter, but um, and I think it get, I think it has a lot to live up to as Kubrick's final film. But I think just taken on its own terms as a movie, it's pretty interesting movie. I, I don't I don't disagree. It's been a while since I've seen it. But um, I remember enjoying it, and it's got that great sense of space that Kubrick always has. When you look at yeah. The Shining and everything, and where the camera just sort of static, and it, it's just sort of taking in this entire location. He's so good know, at paranoia, too. I don't know how he does it, but I always feel uneasy and paranoid when I watch his movies. Right. Hmm. <laughs> it's the way he designs them, absolutely. Well, it, this isn't Kubrick or anything, So, but... Uh, I just wonder, have you guys seen Here Comes the Devil? I think Josh yeah. has. Yeah. Did you see that not. at Sundance, Josh? Toronto. Oh, okay, Toronto. Okay. And um, so so that was one that I did get to check out that I wanted to talk to people about because it's it's uh very new. And um Josh, when when was that you saw it at the Toronto Film Festival? Let's see, that would have been last year or the year before. Okay. Uh, so that thing's about a been, year year or two ago. So that thing's been floating around a little bit the festival circuit before it got its um mm-hmm. release then okay yeah and i i was had really high hopes for going in um the press materials on it looked awesome the the description of the film sounded really interesting but and the, like the poster and everything just like had me really really excited about it going in i haven't revisited it since then um but right well, yeah, and for those who don't know, mostly this, because I was pretty disappointed <laughs> when I saw. Yeah, it. <laughs> honestly, yeah, this is a this is a film out of Mexico, and it was directed by um, Adrian Garcia Bogliano. I don't know if I pronounced that exactly correct. We need Chris Access to help me with that. Yeah, I think because uh, <laughs> I have no clue. To me, it sounded good, but pretty close. <laughs> I, I tried, and so yeah, the basic premise is you got this married couple who uh, they lose their children while on a family trip. And in Tijuana, they lose their children near some caves. But when the kids eventually return, they are different from when they left. Okay, yeah. so that's the premise, right, Josh? Yeah. Okay. Sounds now, like an awesome premise. I know, right? I, I mean, and that's really what attracted me to it because, um, as a parent and everything, I like that's a super scary premise to me. And um, I'm typically not an evil kid movie kind of guy because I think they're dumb, and everybody already knows that I think I could beat up evil kids. Um, personally, <laughs> I can and I have, but um, but but, but honestly, Josh, I am so with you. I couldn't believe this movie. Well, first of all, like everything that happens is just silly. Like it doesn't, nothing makes sense. You know, like how it unravels, how the kids get to the cave, all, all that stuff just feels false. And so it's really hard to go on the ride. Like you want to go on the ride, but it just feels really forced constantly to me like every scene the bathroom scene for instance or the you know getting up to the cave like all that stuff just feels improbable and so it's really hard to kind of just go on that ride with the film yeah i I would totally agree with that actually and um and in fact like it's like there's almost a lack of focus this seems like and josh you're a filmmaker so you could really speak to this i bet it seems like this film was made over a long period of time. I don't know if that's true or not, 
but it's almost like the filmmaker like like they kind of lost focus along the way or you know forgot what they were doing and then once they patched it all together it's just this sprawling and dare I say boring <laughs> I mean and when I say boring do you think that's accurate Josh you always give me a hard time about my um, patience I don't, I don't I mean I think for me it's only boring because I'm not buying the characters I'm not buying the parents I'm not buying their reaction to what the police are telling them. I, I just don't buy, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like we, and this is a non-horror film, but we saw, we reviewed prisoners on movie podcast weekly. And to me, when your kids go missing, that's how you act when your kids go missing. Right. And I don't, this, that's not how they act. And here comes the devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not at all. Actually. Yeah. In terms of the, you know, the quote unquote scary elements or the horror elements, we uh, talk about those Josh or describe, it. I know it's been a while since you've seen it, but just, um, it's pretty light from what I remember. There's a little bit of supernatural stuff. There's like rapes and kind of like a little bit of gory stuff, but it's not, it's, I don't remember it being particularly interesting to me. Yeah. It, it's lots of psychedelic, like lights flashing kind of thing on right. and off every once in a while, like a kid will be floating. And then the next second, the kid's standing there and it's just like, right. okay, like, was that supposed to be scary or what? You know, <laughs> I just feel I feel so harsh, but it was just it was kind of dumb. I, I mean, that's really the that best didn't bother way. me as much as just I don't know. And maybe you know some hardcore horror fans. Well, first of all, I don't think hardcore horror fans are going to like this movie much anyway, just because it's not mm-hmm. that kind of movie. But I think hardcore horror fans sometimes don't care about things like character or or story. But I think for me, that's a big part of it, and I want to believe that the characters are acting in a way that's plausible to get them into the hellish circumstances that they're in. And I, I don't know. The whole thing is just kind of bizarre. And uh, I mean, I don't know. It's implied like incestual kind of stuff is going on. And I don't know. It's just, I, I didn't really buy into the whole conceit of the movie. And so I, it's just hard to get behind in general. I didn't think it was boring. I didn't think the horror was un. It didn't stand out, but at the same time, I didn't find it particularly uninteresting. But it's just kind of like, if I can't get on board from the beginning, then I'm having, you know, then I have a hard time investing, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. Probably the standout scene for me, there's something that the parents do that's um, pretty extreme and somewhat surprising. But um, (laughs) now now that, that scene resonates and it has some power to it. Um, and so, you know, in terms of imagery, that's a pretty strong portion of the film, but otherwise, like, I, I don't think there's a whole lot there ultimately when it's all said and done. So anyway, you know, just coming in ratings on this for me, honestly, I was, um, I I was for most part bored, uh, sorry to say, and I'd call it a three and I'd say avoid it. What do you say, Josh? I'm not sure I've seen it recently enough to give it a fair rating, but I would guess I would come in at around a four. I, I would say it may be worth a rental, but I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen it recently enough to, to okay. really rate it. You're, you're such a fair man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying four and then rent it? Maybe, yeah. Okay. I, I, I will give it another try. Did you say it's streaming right now? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you said you saw it. Um, it's on Amazon and uh, an iTunes torrent. I know that. Okay. Yeah. So, so I might give another shot. All right. Hello, Billy. Billy, oh, I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. But your mother and I must know it. 
David. You've got the wrong number. Where did you put Agnes, Billy? Billy. Look, I'm telling you, you have the wrong number. What your mother and I must know is... Billy! All right, so... uh. Maybe we'll trade. I do have a couple things actually to talk about this show, but maybe we'll trade and take turns, and I'll turn over to um, Dave and ask, what, what have you been watching? What do you want to talk about? Interesting. Uh, one I saw again recently, and it's uh, maybe I think it's the third time I've seen it, is uh, Dead Snow. Oh, you know, the uh, the Nazi zombie or zombie Nazi, however you want yeah. <laughs> uh, call it. Um, and it, 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 it's funny, this third time around, I actually found it funnier than I did the first two times just hmm. because – and the humor is there. It's always been there. But the, just the intensity of the situation to me was always stronger than the humor. Right. This right. time around, I just found it a, a very <laughs> – were, it was it's a very funny movie in a lot of ways too that, that I just uh, – I guess because of uh, being so into the, into the story and, the, and what was going on, I just didn't – I wasn't um, completely in tune with you know, the first two times I saw it. But yeah, it's, it's such a it's – such, I actually watched it with my oldest son. He's 17 and, and um, he's starting to get into – I have The Walking Dead on, on – um, on, DVD and uh, or in Blu-ray and and he's been watching that and so he's sort of getting into the whole zombie uh, uh, thing and he sat there and watched it with me and we had a great time watching it you know um, there's just some amazing scenes in there and these are zombies that they don't behave like your typical zombie I mean they they have a, they have a hierarchy they have they follow this um they still follow their commander kind of kind of Nazi-ish, huh exactly <laughs> yeah you, you can <laughs> you can kill them uh, it doesn't take a shot to the head to well to put them down I don't know what it takes to you know they, they do finally kill some of them um, and it's it's funny because they have a a, a movie uh, well I guess what they'd call what you'd call a film geek with them. And Love he's like, don't guy. let them bite you. Don't let them bite you because you'll turn into a zombie. I'm, they don't really ad- uh, let, let that play out completely, but it, it strikes me that that's not what happens in this case, that if these things bite you, you do not become a zombie. Um, that it, it's just a very different take and a, di- a very different type of zombie uh, in this movie. And I think it works to its advantage. Oh, yeah. I love it. I remember we, did the, we covered this on episode four the weekly horror movie podcast. And I remember I just, I absolutely love that. It's, it's one of the few, I would say great horror films that's set in the snow. Right. Do you, I need to, I need to review, I need to rewatch that one. What was your, what, what was your initial take on it? I, I remember liking it, but I don't, I wasn't as, I remember hearing a lot more people, a lot of people more jazzed about it than I was after I saw it. So I, I've been meaning to revisit it, but I haven't, I haven't yet. Uh, it's, it's probably definitely worth it. I think it's, and of course it's over the top gore. Right. Um, right. You know, once, once things get rolling, I mean, but my God, but, but Dave, I, I know you said it was, you know, funnier for you this time, but honestly, you know, it would have been a 10 for me initially, but it, it almost goes to a place where it just starts getting sillier and funnier as it gets more extreme. And it's like, that's kind of the opposite of what real life would be. And for me, 
you know, I, I don't like comedy horror, but I can like tolerate a, a tiny bit of it. But but honestly, when things get real, I think they should be real. And so that makes the film a lot less scary and therefore less fun for me as it goes. Okay. What do you okay. think? Um, it doesn't bother me as much. I'm a, I'm a fan of um, of horror. Like I love Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and in turn, there's there's a great movie called Doghouse. That's um, yeah. a, a zombie comedy. That's that's just excellent. Um, that's another one I've been meaning to catch up with again uh, at some point. So it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers others. I can see what you're talking about. Like there's, it, it was funny as we were watching it this time when the zombies start attacking um, and things are just getting going crazy with, with these characters trapped in their cabin. The one guy just all of a sudden blurts out, this is why you know, I told you we should have gone to the beach. Uh, and when he does that, my, my one son, my one son says to me, he goes, well, that's kind of a corny line. <laughs> like it just didn't, it was just so out of there. I mean, that's not something somebody would, would blurt out honestly in that situation. I mean, that's, that's no. sort of where you, that's sort of where you realize that it's sort of like, okay, yes, we are just watching a movie here when, when they throw the lines like that out there. Well, that and the outhouse scene also made me think this is definitely just a movie. <laughs> well, yes. And it's, it's actually a, a movie made by what you were a film geek because they gave uh, this this sort of nerdy overweight guy the hottest girl of the group they gave him the and, and she's the one <laughs> and she's the one who uh you know initiates that and then yeah that scene in the in the outhouse that made me cringe more than any of the violence i know it's maybe one of the most unlikely scenes ever filmed <laughs> at least i've never had experience it is, it like is that. definitely a, a movie fan's fantasy <laughs> that's right. um and i think that's that's more how you have to look at it well i have our original ratings here um doc do you want to hear if they changed or, or not because uh, yeah, maybe no, you, yeah because um back in the day uh, i gave it an 8.5 and i said buy it and you gave it an eight and said buy it you, that is exactly what I would give it now. Oh, you're I, so I'd consistent. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm I didn't ex- even I, think... I don't even remember giving it an eight to be honest with you, but that is what I would give it. <laughs> you did what? What, Josh? Oh, I was going to say there was this other movie called Horrors of War that came out. There was another zombie World War II movie right around the same time as um, Dead Snow, and I remember they were like kind of near each other on the wall at Blockbuster, and I did, think I got those mixed up as well. Did you say? Horrors or horrors, horrors of war. <laughs> so at first, I thought you said that was a horrors I, of war. That was one of the first ten movies I did on on the blog, and I remember that. That's a very sort of low budget independent movie, but I was very yeah. impressed with the makeup effects that they were able to pull off with the budget they had. Uh, it was yeah, well, it must have been pretty low budget then. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was it was very low budget. Because those were, I, I don't, I do not remember being impressed with the makeup on that. I, I tell you what, I thought it was pretty good compared for what it, for what it had. I mean, it's not something, um, you know, I liked it at the time. Uh, I don't know that it's one that I would go back and watch again. To be They're honest like with you, zombies was one of them, and it wasn't even just zombies. They had werewolves. Uh, they had different monsters in it as well. All right, I need to revisit Dead Snow. That's good homework for me. Yes, for the- you do. Okay. No, but um, speaking of zombies and The Walking Dead, I know that this is really old news. Everybody out there is going to think I'm lame. But guys, I was holding out on The Walking Dead. I wasn't going to watch it at all until all of the DVDs are out because I like to binge watch. And, and Dave and I have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. 
and even on the previous episode, we hate, you know, waiting between seasons. But it was on Netflix and my wife and I started watching it. And believe it or not, you all know how my wife feels about about horror. She loves it. She's addicted to it, too. And we are nuts about The Walking Dead. And um, I just wanted to say uh, just maybe one or two general things. No spoilers, because I'm, I'm, I'm only in like the middle of season three. But um, now, Josh, do you watch this show, by the way? Yeah, I've I I've read all the comic books. I'm really into the world of the comic books. And so um, I don't know if you remember this, Jason, but I actually pitched an early version of The Walking Dead as a TV show to Lionsgate, like back yes. in the day. Yeah, so legit. Yes. Um, yeah, well, it didn't work out because apparently some other big name director wanted to do it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yours would have been better, even I'm though sure. it's awesome. But uh, yours would have been really good, too. I mean, I so I was, you know, I was pretty skeptical going into the series. Um, um, and also, you know, I didn't love the, how much they varied from the comic book, because although I think the comic book dialogue is pretty atrocious, I love the world that they've created and I love kind of the series of events, the plotting, I guess, of the comic book. And, um, and so I thought, well, this would be easy to improve with just some better dialogue and some good actors. And it could, it could be a really good um, series. And they just diverted from it so much in the first season. I had a hard time with it. Basically what happens in the first two seasons is like the first three books totally stretched out. Like um, so Mm -hmm. much, they added so much in, I thought what was happened in the first two seasons could have easily been like one season or half a season, you know, in terms of, in terms of what takes place in the book. So you're saying they stretched the television. They stretched and they added tons of stuff that's not in the original material. And and you don't like that? You That's that's to be accepted. I didn't, I didn't like it in, in season one. I really liked what they did in season two. And I know that that's, Contrary to a lot of horror fans, from what I've heard. Oh man, season two blew my mind. I just want to say that I loved it. I I love when they're on the farm. I think that's one of the great, you know, zombie horror movies, in my opinion. Like I think that setting and that group of characters in that context is so well done. It's as good as any zombie movie, in my in my opinion. And that's really what I wanted to address here. And I I know that it might be unpopular, but I do want to say this. I'd heard so many of my other friends, you know, my horror friends, and say say it got slow and boring. There were enough zombies, were enough kills and stuff like that. But guys, I wish Kyle Bishop were here on this show right now because he's insane nuts about this. Um, to me, zombie films are very rarely ever about zombies, right? right. I mean, it's it's about <laughs> so many other things. Typically, it's about conflicts between people and how other people are the real monsters. Yeah. And, and you know, every once in a while, there are zombies around, you know, as a backdrop. You know, they're kind of a backdrop thing. And that's what's tremendous about this. And because it's a television series now, I've heard people complain that it's slow. And yeah, if you weren't binge watching, you know, if you weren't, if you didn't have... If you were it, waiting like week after week, it could feel... Like yeah. a long wait. Yeah, well, like I'd probably lose my mind, you know. But um, but honestly, you know, <laughs> in this situation, it's really neat because you can see how um, all of these characters, I, I I guess, are truly processing this this apocalyptic apocalyptic scenario, and yeah. um, and and I think that pays off a ton. Now, now, where are you on it, Dave? Where are you? Um, actually, I'm just 
through through the first season, to be honest with you. Because like you, I'm waiting. I, I like to wait. I like to wait to, to sort of get these things collected. I mean, there's two series right now that I'm watching as the as the um, seasons are released and it's driving me up a wall when I get to the end <laughs> and I know that I got nine, ten months before I'm going to watch and it's, it's Boardwalk Empire and Game of Thrones. Um, Game of Thrones was especially frustrating because we finished it this past summer and the next season isn't due out until February. Wow. Um, which, and it was on such a cliffhanger and it drives me crazy. So I try to build them up like you uh, before I'm going to uh, sit down and watch them, um, but uh, from you know, from what I've seen in season one, I've uh, I've enjoyed it, and I've uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely looking forward. I actually have season two, and I'm watching it with my oldest son, and um, we're just trying to get some time together so we can sit down and uh, start checking that one out. Well, season two is going to blow your mind. It blew my mind. It totally did. I'm so excited now, Josh. I, my, my favorite part of the comic book is when they get to the prison and. I'm really, and I just barely bought season three on DVD. So I'm really looking forward into diving into that. So I binge watch one season at a time, typically with every TV show I watch. So. Oh, okay. Now a question about the comic book. Um, is there a Daryl character and does he have a crossbow? No. <laughs> okay. Cause Daryl is my favorite character, I think. And I'm just, the, the, whole, the whole Michael Rooker thing. Um, yeah. Was not in the first. Oh, well now I'm, this is maybe heresy to say, but now I'm starting to wonder if this comic book you're talking about is lacking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's always what you see first, right? I mean, it's always right. what you're exposed to first. But, but, but Michael Rooker is a tremendous, uh, he really is a good actor. And I don't, you know, he doesn't get so many starring roles, but, you know, in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and, oh, yeah. and even in uh, Slither, I mean, the guy just uh, has a presence. You know, and and um, I've I've heard, and like I, said, I haven't seen the second season yet, but I've heard he's just really, he's really good. He's like a, definitely one of the highlights of the season. Yeah, you just wait, you're gonna love it. So anyway, I, in case there are, I know probably I'm the last one in the world to start watching this, but in case anybody Obvious, out there, well, no, it's not. I'm I'm obviously <laughs> I'm, I'm after you. So okay, well, in case anybody has that, you know, just just do it because it is worth it. You know, I'm being serious right now. Like, once I got to the, the season two, you know, it became a 10 for me. Like, you know, season one, I was like, okay, this is like pretty good. It's eight, 8.5, but it, it got to 10 territory in season two. It's incredible. So, encourage people to check that out. Hello? So, Josh, what did you want to talk about tonight? Um, well, I saw a movie that almost made my Destroy All Monsters segment for this episode, um, but it didn't quite. It didn't quite get that to that level. I think the problem with it is I was just so excited about it based on picking up the DVD, sight unseen, hadn't heard anything about it. Have you guys heard of Devil's Pass? 
just yes. came out this year, 2012, actually. I have no, heard of I, it. I have, I've heard of it, yes. I obviously haven't seen it, but... Okay. Well, it's, it's a Rennie Harlan film. So uh, I'm, I'm walking through the store, and I see the DVD case, and it looks awesome. I mean, it's one of the coolest covers you'll see, but you also see it, and you think, oh, this could be a really terrible no-budget movie. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and if you look it up on IMDb, there is a pretty cool poster for it, but that's not the same as the DVD case. The DVD case looks rad. And honestly, what I thought when I saw it was Troll Hunter. And um, I'm like, this looks like something similar to Troll Hunter. With that and then I looked... So, I'm so sorry. The premise on IMDb is blowing my mind. I'm so excited about it, but it sounds like, uh, sorry, I'll let you go. But man, I got excited when I read it. Well, this is one for you. I think Jason, um, it's found footage, it's survival and there's a beastly freak. So <laughs> you're going to want to check it out. What um, is better than that? I love this. <laughs> well, I was again, like when I saw the cover, I thought, okay, this looks like troll hunter. I'm a huge fan of troll hunter. I should Absolutely, say. Absolutely, yeah. And so I was really excited to check it out. And then I looked a little bit closer to the DVD when I picked it up, it's released by AFC midnight. IFC is like a totally respectable independent film company. So I was like, oh, this is going to actually be quality. Then I look even closer from Rennie Harlan, the director. So Rennie Harlan, yeah, he's made <laughs> a lot of crappy movies and none of them horror movies, really. But, you know, he makes big budget movies, typically Cliffhanger, Die Hard 2, Deep Blue Sea. Um, I think The Long Kiss Goodnight and uh, that pirate movie he made with Gina Davis. What was that one called? Oh, my goodness. Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat Island, yeah. <laughs> Those effectively ended his career as a mainstream Deep Hollywood Deep director. Deep Lucy, yeah. But at one point, he was a major Hollywood director, this guy. And um, and so I thought, this could be really, really good. You know, a found footage movie from a guy who does huge budget action movie blockbusters and apparently gigantic trolls. And I was super, super excited. And it was a bit of a letdown. Um, oh no! I, I think the mockumentary style that they went with was pretty innovative. I liked the way they did it. It didn't feel like the typical low budget shaky cam kind of thing. Um, it looked like a really high quality, super highly produced documentary, um, which didn't really fit with the fact that they were film students making it, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was interesting. Um, and very inventive and very cinematic in the way it started out. It's based on a, tr a true legend, something that actually happened in Russia um, in real life. And so that's no. exciting. No, I love that. I am so sold on this though. And it's kind of a Blair Witch Nouveau. Like these, this film students are going to investigate what happened to these hikers that disappeared in real life. And so I was super excited. They get up to the mountains and there's some talk early on of a Yeti. And I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, but I'm a major Yeti fan. <laughs> you are, so you have a pet one in your backyard. I was jumping out of my skin when I heard, when I heard them say Yeti, it's not what it looks like on the DVD cover, but I was like, Oh, if this is a Yeti movie, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to be so excited. Cause I'm like, finally, finally there's a good Yeti movie. I was, I was just, I couldn't tell you how excited I was. But yeah, unfortunately, it devolves a little bit for me in the end. It gets a little wacky um, in terms of where the plot goes. And I would say, and you're not going to like this, Jason, but the closest film I could compare it to would be the Lost Coast Tapes. In terms of, <laughs> oh, in oh no. <laughs> in terms I'm of so how mad. things wrap up. Um, 
Except for it does it it's not like that in terms of what it shows you on screen. It I would say it's almost closer to the descent in terms of what it shows you on screen. So it's um, not a bait and switch where it you know it professes to be about one thing but it's actually about another. It is a bait and switch. Oh, and man. um the, the, I mean I would say to its credit it never really says what it is. It's like are we dealing with okay. you know trolls are we dealing with aliens are we dealing with yetis and so for me who would have preferred Yetis. It wasn't that. And so, you know, it was a disappointment to me in that way. Um, the monsters that are in it are on screen uh, quite a bit at the end. And, you know, I would even say that they look better on IMDb. They look awesome on IMDb. Apparently there really were people in costumes, but you wouldn't know that from watching the movie in the movie to me, they look like, you know, at best case scenario, I am legend. Um, you know, oh no, best case scenario, worst case scenario, I don't even know, but you know, they are kind of dis- <laughs> descent like creatures. Um, now the descent creatures are incredible. That's that movie's in my top 10, yeah. And there. I would say, I mean, you, if you look on IMDb, you can see kind of what the creatures lo- look like, apparently, but they didn't come across that way when I was watching the movie. They felt really CGI heavy, um, mm. in the movie, so. Man. Uh, it was it was a disappointment for me. I would say I'd probably give it a four point five and say rent it if if any of those aspects sounded interesting to you. I think for Jason, you know, it's probably a high priority rental. Nice. What what do you think I'll rate it if you had to guess? Just curious. and in fact, I'll give you my DVD if you want it. <laughs> I would love it. Thank you. I would love it. So what would you rate? What do you think I would rate it? I know that's dumb to ask. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. You're but, a huge fan of the Descent. Oh yeah. What, what did you give Lost Coast tapes? Oh man, really, really low. <laughs> I forget. It was like one point five or something as mean as I could, but I can imagine you coming in to maybe a five on this one, but I don't know. Okay. Don't know. Okay. All right. Sounds like it's at least worth watching then, Jason. Yeah. It's it's probably worth checking out. It it takes a long time to get to the the big stuff. Um, which you know a lot of people will be annoyed with. You don't get you don't get the big scares. It doesn't have the same sort of paranoia the Blair Witch has, um, you know. And I think for people who are like Andy, our co-host on Movie Podcast Weekly, who really know a lot about mountaineering. It do, it doesn't feel like it's really, and which I was surprised with because I thought the guy who did Cliffhanger is going to get the mountaineering stuff spot on, but it feels like they're in the foothills of like you know <laughs> Salt Lake City. It doesn't feel like oh, that's funny. It doesn't feel like they're in Siberia, you know. Okay. Well, so there, 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 there are a lot of pros and a lot of cons, and unfortunately for me, the cons outweigh the pros. But man, well, that's very interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for your review on that, and sure, I'll take that if you don't want it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Thank you. And somebody out there, make a movie that looks like the cover of Devil's Pass, and I will buy it. <laughs> Wow, that's it's even it's funny how even today, I mean, back in the '80s, that's what it was all about were the covers. When you'd go into a video store, and it's yeah. amazing how even today, with all the information at our fingertips, that we would still look at a cover, and I still do it all the time too. You look at a cover and you say, "Oh, that's exa- I want to see that movie just based on the cover." Um, and then, of course, you get it. And nine for me, nine times out of ten, I'm 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 disappointed. I agree. You know, this it's, is it's a this low budget indie. This would be an indie slog kind of movie, Doc, except I thought the <laughs> fact that IFC released it and the fact that Rennie Harlan directed it, I had, you know, my hopes were a little. Right, right. Little too high. I see. Understood. 
Okay. Well, well, here's here's one for you guys. Check this out. Now, I I really try not to do any like double dipping and you know covering the same things on you know different podcasts. But uh, I didn't realize you know when I watched this that it was supposed to be a horror film. I thought it was just going to be like a sci-fi thriller. But I got to see um, I caught up with uh, the last day on Mars. The the last days on Mars, and um, this is it's about a group of astronaut explorers who. Um, they're on Mars and they're about ready to come back home to Earth when they find a specimen, right? And just like any other alien type of horror movie, you know, what happens is exactly what you think would happen. But um, hmm. it starts out very slow and uh, it's not as good. I compared it to 2001, speaking of Kubrick. <laughs> but it's not as good as that, of course. But it, it's slow, and it almost seems in, initially to take its its um, scientific elements seriously, you know. So there's a there's a degree of realism to it. However, I did complain, you know. I live in Utah now, and so I'm familiar with the landscape here. And I know I don't know for sure that this was shot in Utah, but it doesn't look like Mars. You know, the rocks aren't red; they they look like really sandy colored. So it's like clearly just shot out in the desert somewhere. Um, so that's like, kind of, come on, come to Utah to shoot your Mars scenes. Give us a break. <laughs> right. I, do you agree or not? Joe? I can't tell if you're making fun of me. No, I don't not. know. I, I mean, it's, it's just a funny, I just a funny thing to say, I guess to me. <laughs> what? All, all Mars films should, should be shot in Utah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we have red rocks. It makes sense. Well, I'm, I'm kind of, but see, I don't know if it was shot in Utah and cause I'm like, wherever this was shot, it doesn't work cause the rocks aren't red, you know? So I don't. Right. That's my complaint. But anyway, it's got Leave Leave Schreiber and um he's great. Uh, Cotton Weary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the most solid actor in it, of course, and so he really carries it. Um but honestly, like if I had to describe this film, this is like and this is kind of crazy, but it's like a a, a Martian zombie film. So it's like hmm. zombies on Mars basically. And um you know, so and it gets and, sold. What'd you say? I said tickets sold. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sounds oh. great. Well, it, it's, 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 the thing is, it's not to me. I, I don't no. know. I, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard to identify. I think it was just, it was a little bit slow. And, um, you know, the makeup effects, like the look of the people once they turned was a little bit disappointing. And, um, it's really hard to understand the action, to perceive what's going on and how, like, how everybody is like <laughs> interacting with one another, especially during like the heavy hardcore attack scenes and stuff like that. Right. And, and, and in terms of a horror movie, it's very, very mild, you guys. Mm. So honestly, unless you're a, a sci-fi person big time, um, it's a 4.5 for me out of 10. Oh, and I say, avo- I say avoid yeah. it. I love horror in space. First of all, me too. Yeah. And I love Mars for some reason. Like I love, like even Ghosts of Mars. I mean, is a movie that I quite enjoy actually. So, oh, that's see, that's for me all sort of a lesser John Carpenter. That was one of the ones where, but hey, you know what? Oh, it's uh, lesser, but it's still I still enjoy it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, who who wants to go next? Who's got something else? Um. Well, I have it. This is not a movie I, I've seen, but it's just been released on DVD, and it's it's it, it 
one port, you know, there's something about it that is very intriguing. It's a a movie from the 80s. It's a horror movie that uh, came out, um, Shout Factory put it out. I, maybe it's Scream Factory, actually. It's called Crawl Space. Oh. And probably what what's really stands out for me is the star of this movie, it was from 1986, is Klaus Kinski. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's about this guy um, from just looking at IMDb now. Uh, the demented son of a Nazi surgeon. He runs an apartment for women, and he has it equipped with secret secret passageways, hidden rooms, and torture and murder devices. But the fact that it stars Klaus Kinski, I think, is what really sort of says, you know, because supposedly the, uh, the the director's commentary on this, he's talking about how difficult it was to direct Klaus Kinski. And just looking at IMDb, uh, one of the things Klaus refused to acknowledge action or cut commands. Throughout the making of this movie, and this guy just just from what like the stories you hear of him and Werner Herzog, Herzog mm. did an entire documentary called "My Best Fiend" about uh, his professional and personal relationship with with Klaus Kinski, um, which actually stretches back to when Herzog was a kid, and him and Kinski were living in the same boarding house. Um, just how insane. Klaus Kinski was, and he just shows that throughout this documentary and all the stories you hear. I think one of the funniest stories I heard about him was Roger Ebert said he was, uh, him and Cisco were having dinner actually with Jack Lemon. And Jack Lemon told a story of how he went into a hardware store and he went up to the clerk and he was buying something, and the clerk sort of, um, you know, was looking past him, sort of not, not paying attention to him. And Jack Lemon's like, you know, I'm, I'm not really an egotistical guy, but it sort of, you know, bruised my ego a little bit that this guy didn't recognize me. And so he went back and he was talking to the guy, and, and the, the, the guy said, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Lemon, uh, for that. But I, I, the reason was is that standing behind you in line was Klaus Kinski holding an axe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Because he's a scary guy. Even if he were standing wearing a ballerina dress, I'd be scared. You know? uh, yeah, <laughs> he is, he's, one of those, he's one of those personalities and obviously a deeply disturbed individual just from what his daughter's coming out with, um, you know, of, of uh, how he had uh, you know, the relationship that they supposedly had. Um, this guy was just almost certifiably insane. I mean, if, if anything outside of... of acting um this guy would have been locked away and probably thrown away the key yeah uh, just just for his behavior and the things he used to do on the set of uh, Aguirre Wrath of God um after a day shooting he was trying to rest in a tent fo- a tent crew of uh crew and supporting uh, you know extras and all were having a good time in a tent he fired a gun into it into the tent to shut them up actually blew a guy's finger off yeah He's a nut job. So I, he was like completely off the wall. That, he, but, that's his best film, by the way, I think. Oh, I, 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 I don't disagree. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, you know, he was amazing in that. I mean, you know, the, the, when, he's, when he picks up those monkeys at the end, uh, these monkeys trying to get away from him, <laughs> and he just picks one up, and he's like talking that's to it. iconic. Yeah, it's not really horror, you guys, but yeah, if you haven't seen Agira, The Wrath of God, that's a definite uh, must-see if you're cinema. And it is shot in those locations. I mean, that's one thing Herzog always did. I mean, Herzog's uh, close to insane himself. Right. So the fact that these two guys made these movies together, I mean, Herzog's almost more of a sedate insanity. Yes. (laughs) Sort of an underlying insanity, whereas Kinski is just off the wall. Um, And to see the two of them team up and there's a great YouTube video out there of of Kinski throwing an absolute – he's like – 
a violent uh, attack on one of the assistant producers of Fitzgeraldo, screaming and yelling and blah, blah, blah. And it's not until two minutes in you realize he's yelling about the catering. Yeah, he's a tyrant. <laughs> he like that guy. Seriously, you know how there were like these <clears throat> Ivan the Terrible types and all these people throughout history like Genghis Khan. He was probably supposed to be born into one of those roles in life. <laughs> I could see him. I could see him reincarnated from Vlad the Impaler. To there be you honest go. with you, that's just the type of personality he <laughs> he has. It's just very, very. Fitting that he played the Nosferatu then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. That that's right. He played Nosferatu, and there are scenes in in that where um, and it's always been. It was always a struggle for 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 Herzog to uh, to direct him. I in, in my best fiend, they have audio of him screaming at him on the set of Aguirre Wrath of God. It's like it was Kinski saying, "You will get down on your knees and you will beg me to do the scene." And he says, "David Lean begged me, you know, because he was in he had a bit part <laughs> in Doctor Zhivago." David Lean begged me, and you will beg me to. You know, it's like my. God. <laughs> so, so Dave, have you seen Crawl Space? No, I haven't, and I'm looking. But I'm re- that's one thing that's got me really intrigued. Okay, um, in, in, into seeing it, and it, I mean the premise alone, but the fact that it has Klaus Kinski, and I am going to be watching it um, probably within the next couple of days. I just the Blu-ray just came out. Yeah, I just got it, and I'm going to be checking it out in a couple of days. Because I, I don't know if you remember, but in episode two of the weekly horror movie podcast, that was my assignment for Bill Shetty, and we reviewed it on on there. And you, oh, interesting! You, I don't think I was in that. I think that was my week off. No, you were on that show, you and Midnight Corey, but neither of you got a chance to watch that. But um, I, I I watched. I gave it a four point five. I called it a void, and Bill Shetty said it was a three, and he said avoid it. Because he wow. said nothing happened, kind of thing, and really not a whole lot happens in it. So oh, I mean, but, but you're a lover of films and cinema. You're patient. I'm going to che- check it out anyway. And I could, like I said, the fact that it's got Klaus Kinski. I saw this absolutely horrid Klaus Kinski movie called Creature, um, <laughs> where you could tell he was just brought in for a couple scenes to to add a star name to this thing. Yeah. Um, and, and even the director of that was talking about how Klaus Kinski just didn't have any time for him. He was paying attention to all the women, um, you know, and, and wasn't paying any attention to, to the directors, almost like he was annoyed <laughs> that the director was around. Okay. Um, just this guy, this guy is such a uh, a personality and it. That's that's actually a kind way of putting it. I mean, he he was he was a cancer almost. Uh, on every film set he was on, <laughs> but yeah. yet, but yet, when when you see him on screen, there's just there he does have he admittedly has this this magnetism to him that that you're you're sort of drawn to his characters, um, and I don't know if it's because uh, for me I'm familiar with the behind the scenes or yeah um, you know that might have something to do with it and then, but and the fact that he made so many movies with Herzog I mean like I said Herzog's crazy dude he made this one movie. I can't remember what it's called now, where the entire cast, save the lead actor, acted under hypnotism. Oh, yeah. He had every single one of them hypnotized. Yeah. Um, it was called I'll, the white, wasn't that the white something? As it Was it that one? Well, no, the, the white, white diamond, diamond. No, the white diamond's his documentary about oh, the guy right. who built the ship um, to right. go over the, um, uh, the, what is that, the, uh, the rainforest, you know, to sort of uh, yeah. photograph above the canvas there of the rainforest. Um, I can't remember what this is called now. Now it's driving me crazy. Now oh, I gotta look it up and see heart, what it's called. Heart of glass. Heart of glass. Yes. Do you yeah. know because 
because of everybody is so damn drowsy and and that movie because they're hypnotized. <laughs> I have yet to make it from start to finish through that movie without falling asleep. <laughs> right, right. Four times now. Four times I have tried to watch that movie, and four times I've because everybody is just so lackadaisical and just sort of shuffling through because they're all under hypnot all, all hypnotized. <clears throat> it's hilarious. it's so difficult. To make it through, that's like the one Herzog movie I've never been able to <laughs> to make it through from uh, from start to finish. And you know what? Other than I mean, I know he's done um, you know his version of um, Nosferatu, which is obviously much different from the 1922 um, movie. I've only seen um, Herzog's Nosferatu once, and it's very different from the original. But yeah. Herzog is a guy I would love to see take on another like horror element other than that take oh, on a horror yeah. movie just to yeah. see what what he would be able to do with it because he just has that brings so much horror to his normal movies <laughs> yeah he does i mean even right <clears throat> even his documentaries have yeah. that you know i mean even something like grizzly man where yeah. he gets what happens to that guy at the end and um i wish somebody would make i this might sound insensitive but i and josh <laughs> you know because of my pain and gain opinion i would i this will really sound contradictory to my usual, but I would love to see somebody make a, you know, a horror type movie of Grizzly Man or maybe something inspired by it. That would be, that would be, <clears throat> it'd that, be interesting and it's something you could definitely do. I mean, this guy was, this guy had his issues and he put himself in harm's way each and every year and, but, but loved it. There was, but he, it was like yeah. he looked forward to doing so. Um, each and every year. He loved being there, even though everyone was telling him he was absolutely insane. Right. I mean, he was. there was an interview where a guy says, I'm not going to read about you getting eaten by a bear at some point, am I? And of course, that's exactly what happened. Right. Almost a personality to a degree of, um, it reminds me a lot of Steve Irwin. You know, Steve Irwin was a great mm -hmm. guy. I loved those shows he used to put out. Yeah. But there was always something where you knew one day you were going to wake up and hear... That something happened to Steve Irwin. Uh, yeah, and that's and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I was it, it was like it was like sort of upsetting when it happened because the guy was so genuine and loved nature, and there was just something so appealing about his personality that you wanted to see him be okay. But just in the back of your mind, you knew at some point something's going to happen, and you're going to read about it in the news. Just some a day out of the blue, yeah, that something happened to Steve Irwin, which again. When you're dealing with nature, it seems like maybe that's almost inevitable if you consistently put yourself in harm's way. <laughs> right. You know, that it's going to catch up with you at some point that you're not going to to beat those odds each and every time. Yeah. Well, you'll have to let us know what you think of Crawl Space when you do see it. I will. Because honestly, yeah, it was almost, almost a rental for me, but it was just a little too slow. But, um, okay. you know, I think I think you'll enjoy it because I just know that you're just a lover of film. So okay. there you go. Oh, that's awesome. I go, I go into every movie hoping to love it. So that's right. <laughs> Hopefully I will. Okay, Josh. Now, do you want to talk about Cold Prey for us? Because I, I failed to watch it, even though I 
promised like oh, the last couple times. Guys, come on! I know, and 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 <laughs> and Doc did too. I, we... I had every intention to watch it before we recorded, and like I said, I was in at four a.m. this morning, and I, I you, uh, you want to just save it? I think it's it'll still work for January. I, I don't know. I, I definitely want to. You know, it's almost like I don't want to hear anything about it because I know, from I what I'm reading about it, it it and and from what even from what I'm reading, um, you know, other people saying about it, like some people say it's it's groundbreaking. Others are saying, yeah, but it sort of has the slasher movie formula. Oh, man. Nothing about any of those statements makes me not want to see the movie. I know. And <laughs> I know, even people who say, oh, it's a standard slasher movie. I like standard slasher movies. Yeah. That actually makes it even more appealing to me. And we, I think um, Levi, the unknown murderer, gives us some – we've actually got a, a voicemail from him um, in a minute. I think he comments on it and says that you know the, the two back-to-back, the sequel – are really good to watch together as companion pieces. And that's something I really want to do. So if if we can be pardoned again, even though I've promised twice now we were going to be reviewing it one day. But, <laughs> but, well, I bought I bought it on DVD, so you can again borrow it from me, Jason, if you'd like. Okay. <laughs> and I have the I have the first one on DVD. Yeah. I don't have the I don't have the sequel, but I have the first one that I'm looking, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I might even make time this week to to watch that one as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that and crawl space. I'll probably watch both of them uh, because I'm really intrigued. Well, I'm may- maybe I'm wrong, but I suspect that people would want to, well, Josh's reviews are excellent on their own, but I know people <laughs> like the group discussion. So well, it's, it's more fun for me too. I don't, I don't particularly love solo casting. So, okay. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I'll just, I'll take the blame. It's my fault. Um, so well, sorry about and that. I, well, I, it, I didn't, and I I have to share it. Like I said, I have every I had every intention of watching it a few hours ago, and I just I laid down. But otherwise, I would have seen cold. I would have seen cold prey also. Yeah, yeah. Blame it on the <laughs> blame it on the podcast. I'm gonna blame it on the 20 minute now. Yeah, because I, maybe the, maybe the rooster just wasn't as loud this time. I don't know. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. You've made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Silent night. Deadly night. Okay, and at this point, I'm joined with my good pal, longtime friend, Dr. Shock, and we're going to be talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. And I've actually got a little story about this. I bet, I mean, maybe there are, but I bet there are listeners out there maybe who don't realize or, or don't know about Planet Macabre. Do you think that's true, or do you think this, you know, everybody has Planet Macabre tattoos, Doc? No, I'm sure that there are people out there. It's been how many years since that show stopped? I mean, I think our last episode was in uh, 2011. Yeah. So we're we're closing in on it's 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 over two years since it's gone off uh, gone off the air since we stopped recording them. So I'm sure that there are plenty of people who are unfamiliar. Uh, yeah, with Planet Macabre. I don't even know if it's available anymore out there. Yeah, it's not unless you were smart like me or like Boss Butcher. You know, we were giant fans and we downloaded all 16 episodes of it, every single one of them. And I've actually listened to those um, at least, and I'm not kidding, probably at least seven times per episode on each one. 
Wow, that's some dedication. There are some of those I have yet to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, well, I recorded them. That's one of the things. When I, For me, I, I love listening to podcasts, but if it's one that I've recorded, um, I don't always rush to listen to it again. A, I can't stand listening to myself. I, 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 have, a, I have a hard time listening to my own voice. It just really... Um, I, and I know I'm not alone in that. Other people have said the same thing. I just, I, I it bothers me to to hear myself and right, right. Um, you know, and I, and I, the few that like when I do sit down, and I listen to one that I'm on. I I sit there and I say, oh, I should have, I could have said that differently, or boy, do I sound like a stumbling fool there. Um, and I find myself critiquing my performance more than listening to the show. Uh, so it's not as as entertaining. Uh, it's just not as much fun for me as it would be for me to listen to a podcast that I had nothing to do with. I got you. Um, and so there were some episodes of Planet Macabre I have never heard. Oh, uh, wow. So so it would almost be like I'd have to go back and listen to them again. My my guess is I'd probably forgotten <laughs> the, the majority of them uh, as <laughs> even what was said or, or even the movies that were covered. I mean, I know which one you're referring to. I think it was our, was it our second episode where it, we did the Christmas? It was, it was um your episode two and it was five Christmas horrors. Now, doc, for those, just to give a little context, because this is actually something that's near and dear to my heart. And I bet there are a number of listeners who probably feel the same way I do. Will you explain to the listeners who don't know just exactly what planet macabre was? Okay, yeah, the Planet Macabre, it had five hosts. Uh, it was uh, put together by Bill Shetty, and um, then there was uh, Greg Amortis, uh, Lady Phantom, Hell Hunter, who was from Australia, Lady Phantom was from Mexico, and uh, myself, and it was just the five of us. We would get together, we would review uh, a, a number of movies every show. I think it was Four or five sometimes. I know sometimes we had five movies per show. It was usually five. <clears throat> and then each one of us would have our own segment that you know centered on a specific genre or, in my case, time period where we would throw out a movie recommendation that, that fit into that. Like Greg Amortis would do slasher movies. Bill Shetty would do uh, his indie assault, look at independent films. Um, you know, Lady Phantom was um, supernatural movies uh hell hunter was foreign movies and then i would look at the the classics you know a lot of times going back to uh like the 30s i think i think the the fair majority of mine were um uh, universal mm-hmm. uh, you know from universal studios from back in back in the 30s and i wasn't always going for the obvious ones like i know i did throughout frankenstein but i wasn't always going for those ones a lot of times i try to find few that were uh, to me a little more obscure um yeah uh, you know like um you were good about that oh i don't yeah i don't even remember well, i know i uh, the ghoul was oh. one i remember finding with uh, boris karloff yep and what's one wasn't there one the black cat then you the black cat yes the, now the black mm-hmm. cat's a little bit more well known just because it was the first movie that that karloff and lugosi did together yeah but you know for 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 a lot of people who aren't familiar with uh, the classics that that only know Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, um, and then even t- to a lesser degree, The Invisible Man uh, and The Mummy. I thought maybe that would be one you know worth throwing out there, and it definitely is. I mean, I, honestly, that is my favorite of their collaborations is the black the Black Cat, 
And if I had to choose my five favorite classic horror movies, that would probably be at least number five. Oh, neat, neat. Yeah, it, it's it's the Black Cat is just it's that good, and and they switch it up too. I mean, you know, Bella Lugosi plays plays a sort of the heroic role in that one. Um, you know, the 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 uh, sympathetic character, and uh, Boris Karloff is just this uh, is uh, in like like uh, the high priest of a of a of a band of devil worshippers. Uh, some pretty intense stuff for a movie made in the in the 1930s. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, um, yeah, he's a high priest, and, and there's a scene where he he's walking through his back room where he has these women who have died on him, their bodies preserved behind glass. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you, you know, so it's it's a fairly intense movie for the 30s. Not not so much for fans of modern horror there's nothing in there that's going to, to really shock them Mm-mm. um i think the most shocking point uh show, most shocking part of it was that these are you know uh these were things being addressed as far back as then you know where whereas you wouldn't think they would have even delved into those areas yeah well i tell you i well, just hearing you talk about this uh, just i don't know it takes me back because you know, the list, of, I don't know if the listeners care if we go down memory lane for a second, but this is, Planet Macabre is still my all-time favorite horror podcast, probably. I mean, the weekly horror movie podcast was a, a close second, and I even loved Horror Metropolis, if I oh, yeah, do sure. say so. And, and this one, even, I'm, I'm becoming quite fond of, but but I tell you, it was just, it was a special time, and, and I really got excited, because... I was movie, I was just podcasting about regular movies as a film critic, but, um, you know, it hadn't occurred to me to podcast about just strictly horror. So Planet Macabre is largely responsible for, for my getting into horror podcasting. And one of the things that I like to brag about, which not many people can brag about, Doc, is that, I mean, you were one of the original five, so you're, you're kind of legendary, but, um, I was actually one of the few guests on there ever on Planet Macabre, and it was episode 10 when we did a, you know, a scene-by-scene, you know, analysis of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974, and I was one of the guests on there, on that episode, and that was... That's right. That was back when um, I went by Jason X, before I was Jay of the Dead, so that's some old-school trivia there. I remember that, and I had had known you by that point already. Mm -hmm. That might have been the first time I talked with you, or had had I talked to you before, I, I don't think, think I don't think I don't know that I had appeared yet on considering the sequels. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that probably was the first time. And um, any that, minute, that, any minute here, we're going to be get, hearing from Wolfman Josh. We're adding oh, him yeah. in. There he is. There he is. All right. We're joined by him as well. So just to catch you up, Wolfman Josh, we're getting ready to talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night, but we are doing a little bit of reminiscing back to the Planet Macabre days. Josh, have you ever heard any Planet Macabre episodes? I'm not sure that I have actually. Oh well, I'll take care. I'm ashamed we, to say. Uh, we got to no. make sure. <laughs> well, I thought, Josh, I was just admitting that I haven't heard most of them either. <laughs> and um, I'm kind of uh, obsessed with them, to be honest with you. So yeah, there were 16 of those, and then after Planet Macabre stopped, then there was um Horror Jungle, and there were three of those episodes, and then after that, we eventually came to the Horror Palace Network where um we had the weekly horror movie podcast in horror metropolis but um so now and horror jungle was that had eight hosts yeah it was i mean that had crazy. It, it and it, the only ones to return from planet macabre myself well bill shetty who who was running it of course mm-hmm. uh and myself and hell hunter 
then after that, we had um, you know Bloody Lizzie, Boss Butcher, and that's where Boss Butcher sort of uh, broke in to uh, to podcasting. Yeah, and, and he's he's going on to just be. Uh, inc- I'm so impressed with with what he puts out on a regular basis and what he was able to accomplish from from having no experience whatsoever with putting out a podcast to to where he is now. It's it's just so impressive. He's the man. Um, he definitely is, and he is the nicest guy. Um, you know, just he's he's just <laughs> he's a great guy. Yes. Um, you know, so and then I, I know Midnight Corey was on there. Yes. Um, who for my for my uh, for my money has what I think is the best voice for, for podcasting. I oh, mean, he's yeah. just, he, his, his delivery is, is impeccable. <laughs> um, and I know we had, uh, oh boy, I'm drawing a blank as to who the, uh, who the K- last Casey host. Canton, right? Casey. Yes. Yeah. Casey. Yep. Absolutely. Casey. Yep. Um, and there were eight of us. That's right. Am I missing anybody? It was bloody Lizzie boss. <laughs> no, that's all of them. Okay. I got them all. Okay. Yes. Casey. Yeah. KC, who was, uh, who was there as well. And yeah, you're right. We only ever did three episodes of that. I think the, the most surprising episode of that one was the first one where we were looking at, um, was it the first or second we were looking at slasher movies? And uh, we looked at the, the original Prowler. Oh, original. yeah. I don't, I don't think there's been a remake of that one yet. We were looking at the Prowler um, you know, from the 80s with Tom Savini's great uh, you know, makeup effects in that one and, and, mm-hmm. and gore. Um, and I remember Bloody Lizzie gave everyone else was like raving about the movie. Bloody Lizzie gave it a one. <laughs> <laughs> she cracks me up. Yeah, that, that those are the good old days. But I tell you, Josh, the reason we went down this little memory lane is because um, for the listeners out there, in episode two of Planet Macabre, it was Christmas Horror, and they actually covered on that show, two of the films we're going to be talking about right now, which is Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984, and also Black Christmas from 1974. So, um, I even have, um, Doc, I have your ratings handy here for, you know, comparing and, and contrasting, even though uh-huh. you haven't gotten to revisit this probably since that time that you saw we'll it. Hold over then. the fire, Doc. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if you're, if you're going to ask me to give a rating, no, I, no, don't no. Know that I, will, I don't know that I'll hit those ratings because I, I honestly don't remember no, what that's the fine. ratings I gave them. I wouldn't Bill do that. Used to, Bill Shetty has a, a, a spreadsheet, I think, or some sort of file where he keeps a track of all of his movie ratings. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. I, I never, th- I never thought to do that. I never thought it would ever. Uh, <laughs> I never thought it would be necessary to do that. Uh, now I kind of wish I am because you no. said you have my ratings there, and I. It, I won't do that. It, to you. you got one over me because I have n- a no memory whatsoever as to what I rated these movies. No, I'm just an obsessed fan, so of course I have everybody's ratings on that. But, <laughs> but that's fine. No, I'll just, I'll, we'll just, I'll just tell you what it was back when you when you were fresh on it and you had okay. seen it cuz you haven't seen this yeah. in a number of years right i have not seen silent night deadly night since watching it for that episode and that was christmas of 2010 so we're going back yeah. 3 years now exactly that was the last time i've seen silent night deadly night and i've seen a lot of movies since then uh so it's a little it's not exactly fresh in the memory and um now black christmas i've seen more recently mm-hmm. that's i've i've returned to that one pretty regularly it is my it's my all-time favorite Christmas themed horror movie. Yes. Um, and you know, I think it's, it's, it's in my top 10 as far as slasher movies. So what about you, Josh? When was the last time you saw silent night, deadly night? Oh, it's probably been, 
don't know, maybe five years or so. But okay. it's it's one I watched a lot as a kid. Um, not as like, like not like a, a youth, but when I was you know in junior high and high school, it was a movie that people watched a lot. Um, it's at one of my all time favorite movie posters. In fact, I have the poster for Silent Night, Deadly Night. I just think it's one of the coolest horror movie posters ever. The image of uh, the frosty chimney with with icicles and Santa's arms hanging out of it with an ax. I just, <laughs> yes. that was one that haunted me from the VHS cover as a child. And then, and then one that I, you know, I immediately had to track down and hang on my wall. So that, that one and, uh, in front of the 13th part eight, Jason takes Manhattan are two of my <laughs> most prized movie posters, not necessarily because of the movies, but because I, I just love those images so much. Right. That's so cool. <clears throat> well, Fair enough. And that, and that image is what got this movie into a lot of trouble. Uh, oh with, yeah. With, with the parent groups and everything. I think the studio, and it's, it's funny how back then they, they just didn't, hard just didn't mean as much to the studios because they had ended up pulling the movie. Yeah. And for a couple of weeks, due to all of the controversy, and instead of writing it out and and allowing it to sort of build up the box office like they would do now when you get a controversial right. movie out there, they pulled it. They pulled the movie in a couple of weeks uh, out of out of circulation. Absolutely, this ended up, you know, according to the IMDb trivia, which and this has been in like documentaries and and things like I think it was in that slasher documentary, going to pieces, going to pieces, right? But um. But yeah, like parents, angry parents actually picketed this film because they didn't want to see Santa depicted as an axe murderer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, despite the fact, according to IMDb, that this was done um, actually like 12 years earlier in a Tales from the Crypt episode where they actually did that. So, yeah, you're exactly right. That was a great memory, by the way, Dave. You recalled all that. It was it was only in theaters for like two weeks, and um, right. they they took it out. And and in fact, to protest the film, we've talked about this before too. Roger Ebert, our main man, and Gene Siskel, they read the credits out loud on their television show, and then they would say "shame, shame, shame" after each <laughs> name. <of> the, <laughs> so, the, 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 the two of that that was. I mean, I loved that show. I would watch Siskel and Ebert all the time. Um, I loved it when they got into their debates and I, I loved, like, I learned a lot watching that and, and the movies that they would cover were sometimes ones that I would have never even considered watching. Um, I know that they, they covered like Roman Polanski's Tess, which I would have never even dreamed of watching back then. And then after their review, I was very interested in seeing it. Um, but they just never got, never got slasher movies to them, it was – and that's where I think I definitely had a problem with them because it wasn't just we don't get these movies. It was we don't get the people who see these movies. You know, we, yeah. don't, underst- we don't understand how anybody could want to see these movies. Right. And that was where – you know, that's where you're just sort of crossing a line. And when Instead of pointing the finger at the filmmakers, you're pointing the finger at the fans saying, <laughs> how dare you go right. to see a movie like this and what is wrong with you for doing so. Um, and, and I think that was, that was maybe their strategy to sort of keep these films from, from gaining popularity, but obviously it didn't work. They just got more and more popular as the decade, yeah. uh, you know, drew on and there were more and more slasher movies and thank goodness for it because I love going back and watching them. And this, ad, that adds actually a coolness factor to the fact that this was like, it's so controversial. I mean, that really heightens the the coolness of this movie, at least for me. And and what you were saying reminds me of a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but our good friend Greg Amortis once said something like, 
see, we horror fans are mostly just nice people. We're not baby killers or anything like that. So right. I liked it when he said that. But um, and no, it's very true. I mean, you know, it's the average. The average horror fan is is almost like abhorrent to real violence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I cannot watch real violence. That's the one thing I cannot stand. Is if I know a video out there is showing real violence, I can't even finish watching it. Like like the Arba Dwyer uh, suicide um, that oh, actually yeah. happened here in Philadelphia, and I remember that was such big news here. You know, our our local station, uh, our local ABC affiliate, Channel Six, carried it live. It was the cameraman's first day on the job. He was doing what he thought he needed to do, and he got a close-up of our bud's body sitting there in his as the life was draining out of his body and the blood was pouring out of his nose. He sat there with a close-up of it just to get these shocking images, thinking that's what he was supposed to do. Um, and ABC, I mean, Channel 6 got into such trouble for that, you know, for, um, for showing that as long as they did. Uh, but I can't watch that video. I, I mean, I was, in a, I was in a media class. Somebody brought it in, and I had to look away. I can't stand real violence. Um, me but too. But I can sit there. I can sit there and watch the slasher all day long. It's not going to bother me in the least. Same here. In fact, um, you know, the people are going to make fun of me. But you know what? I can't watch. It just makes me shake inside. Is those like MMA cage match fightings? Like when they're like pounding each other in the face. Like I, that really upsets me inside, which is hilarious because I'm a horror fan. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And and Wolfman Josh here, you know, for people who don't know him personally, I always tell I always tell my wife, I'm like, he is such a sweetheart of a man. Like Josh <laughs> is like one of the nicest people you'd ever know. And oh, I agree. And yes, he's definitely. He's sensitive and, you know, just a sweet guy. And then Boss Butcher, the nicest guy in horror movie podcasting. So it's really funny, like how horror people are mostly nice. But it, it is. And you see a lot of people see them with their tattoos and going to conventions and everything. But um, they really are just great people to, to talk to. And, and, you know, you can you can have a great conversation with them. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're not anything like you would think they would be. It's almost like. Uh, you know, you hear Hell's Angels, like bikers. Yeah. They have this reputation, you know, going back to like Roger Corman's movies and so forth. Um, and I'm sure some of that is is justified. Like you look at uh, Gimme Shelter, the, <laughs> the Rolling Stones concert and <laughs> what happened there. Um, but, you know, they're not all that way. And uh, it's just all a matter of perception. Right. Right. Okay. Well, let's. Let's, so let's delve into this a little bit in case people aren't familiar with it. I can't imagine. But um, yeah, so this came out in 1984 and the premise from IMDb. Well, I'm not even going to use IMDb's premise. I'm just going to tell people. So you got this boy and he was actually really the setup was perfect for him being scarred about Santa Claus. He visits his grandfather in a nursing home and his grandfather says some really creepy things to him about how Santa Claus is really there to punish those who are naughty. And so make sure you avoid Santa if you are naughty, right? And then, so that gets the kid worried about Santa Claus. And then, you know, so his family encounters, you which know. Is, which is actually historically kind of based in, you know, the original myths of Santa Claus. I mean, you, you know, we were talking about the movie Saint or, you know, Saint Nick or mm -hmm. Sint or whatever that came out. The, which is based on the Dutch tradition of Sinterklaas, and that's that's how they see him. I mean, he travels around with these 
Spanish slaves called Black Pete, Svarta Pete, who kidnap the kids that are evil and take them back to Spain on their slave ship. You know, I mean, like <laughs> it's a. Boy, it's I never a, heard. I never heard that one before. That oh, is, that's 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 intense. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> the Germanic version of Santa Claus. That's Hall in Holland. You do not want to mess around with Santa Claus or Black Pete. Throw you in his bag and take you back on a slave ship. <laughs> that's, see, that's awesome. And see, that's what's really funny about people getting up in arms about depicting, you know, Santa in such a way. Because, yeah, there is some basis and truth in the legend, so to speak. That's because the Santa Claus that we know in America is based on, on basically two things. It's based on yeah, the night before Christmas, the poem, and it's based on the, the Coca-Cola Santa Claus Right, exactly. Paintings, and that's that's what our tradition of Santa Claus has has come from. But really, that's not what the old school Santa Claus was like at all. Yeah, he was all business. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the worst the worst that happens here is you get a lump of coal in your stocking. Right. Yeah, and get those nothing. Dutch kids yeah. are praying for a lump of coal. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> to light their cave. <laughs> So, so this kid in this movie, you know, because it opens in 1971, and um, you know, he, his family encounter they have a bad experience with a, a Santa Claus. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a very, very bad experience that's just totally traumatic for him. And yeah. I, I tell you, I don't know if you guys remember this, but this setup. It's a it's a good setup, okay, but it takes a long time. It's like thirty five minutes at least in developing the psychological messed upness of this kid. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think for the first time you watch it, it's like okay, this is okay. But you know, on rewatches, that part's like you know, it's really kind of drawn out. Well, it's still some traumatic on screen violence and stuff. Yes. Yeah, it's not like it's totally boring. I'm not saying it's boring for once, but and one one way over the top creepy grandfather. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would have hated visiting that guy if that was my grandfather. I would have, I would have, I would have just said, "Can't we just sort of leave him there?" In, in fact, um, I love it that he said it because right here, I'm actually going to play a little excerpt from his dialogue. Grandpa. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. I'd be scared too, if I was you. You know all about Santa Claus. He brings presents to all good boys and girls. <laughs> Your daddy told you that, didn't he? Well, I'll tell you something. Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year. To the ones that ain't done nothing naughty. Naughty. All the other ones. All the naughty ones. He punishes. You see Santa Claus tonight? You better run, boy. You better run for your life. So, you know, it takes it about, I don't know, 35 to 40 minutes before it really turns into a full-blown slasher flick. Because this is a slasher flick. And do you know what impressed me about this, you guys? I, I really love how it's not just some cheap knockoff of a slasher flick. It's like a legit entry into the 80s slashers. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, old absolutely. school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... I don't know why I had this impression, and I think maybe the the later ones might be along the, this lines. 
I, I don't even think I've seen all of them, but um, I had planned to. I actually tracked down all five of them. I think there are five uh, of this, you know, ilk before the 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 Silent Night one that you're going to be reviewing. Josh, the 2012 film. The 2012 one. But um, I actually tracked all those down, and I had you know huge intentions, you know, on covering all those. But like the third one, for example. Well, I'll get into that another time. But but with this one, I think, you know, people just assumed that it was like kind of a cheap, you know, they're just trying to ca- cash in on the whole Santa thing. It's kind of gimmicky, but it's not gimmicky. It's totally legit. Well, they were trying to cash in on Halloween. I mean, it says right on the poster, you made it through Halloween, not try to survive Christmas. Right. No, but I mean, like. But they did a full blown horror slasher film. It was right. It's, it was no right. second rate. Attempt. And it's not just a gimmick. Like, like for example, you recently reviewed the Ginger Dead Man, right? That's a gimmick, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> we have some listener feedback that's defending that later on here tonight. But um, but anyway, um, so I just want people to know that if you haven't seen this and maybe you've kind of dismissed it, um, this is definitely not a film to be taken lightly because once once it get it gets into the full blown slasher element. I mean, it's rock and roll, right? Yeah, totally, <laughs> definitely, absolutely. I mean, it, this is this is actually this movie is riffed on a little bit by other movies down the road too. I mean, it was influential in some way, which I you would never think a movie like this would be. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, just as um, something that this movie does that I love is it uses like kind of like Halloween, no, not Halloween, trick or treat, <laughs> which is more modern. Um, Trick or Treat used the the elements of Halloween to pull into the movie. Like for this, like the the first slasher kill, if, if if as I recall, is like done with Christmas lights, for example. And so I think it's cool that he incorporated Christmas lights. And then one scene, there's like sledding is incorporated. Could have done without the bow and arrow. You didn't like that. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the bow and arrow kill. Really? No. Wow, I'm surprised by that. How come? I don't know. It just seems a little. I don't know. Gimmicky. That that to me felt a little gimmicky. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's hard to say in a slasher where you're always looking for a new instrument. I personally like slashers who kind of stick with their instrument and there's a big promise of some axe murdering and that's that's what I would have liked to see more axe and less less of the the other stuff. But there are no, there's some cool kills. I mean, one I was I was just mentioning that was influential. One of my favorite films, The Lost Boys totally takes a, a major kill in that movie straight from Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is the impaling on <laughs> on the deer antlers, you know? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the one I always remember. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty unforgettable. And, and plus it yeah. involves, uh, <laughs> well, I won't say her name in case people would consider that a spoiler, but you know she's going to get it when she comes yeah. into it. But it- <laughs> so, uh, Are you talking about... Uh- our friend from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> yes. Who that's the movie I always think of when, when I think of this actress, and it probably helps that she's not wearing a stitch of clothing for the majority of <laughs> Of course, of course. Yeah, that's right. So um, you know what else I really enjoyed? And this might be cheesy for a lot of people who weren't born in the mid-70s like I was, but I tell you, um, you know, a, a, large, a good portion of this takes place in a toy store. And so this is like early 80s is filmed in like 83 or at least in 84 um and that toy store has a lot of the cool toys that i was actually into yeah, at that totally. age it has the yeah. job of the hut play set mm. 
<laughs> and, and like it right. has Smurfs and it has um just all kind of like Halloween costumes that that actually I remember like GI Joe costumes and so that might be cheesy to people unless you were like a child of the eighties but it is super neat to see it in this film absolutely mm-hmm. and, and that's what I liked like a lot of the a lot of the holiday movies that come out when they depict Santa's workshop. He's making wooden trains, um, <laughs> you know, like tugboats, things I would have hated, <laughs> hated to get if I was a kid. If I got those things, I said, what, what did I do to deserve this? I like it when the movie show, like, and, and the recent one would be Elf, where in the workshop he's making Etch-a-Sketches and, and Bob the Builders <laughs> and things like that. But nice. I love it when they show, like, the actual toys you would have wanted <laughs> at that time as a kid, as opposed to these sort of generic Nobody's going to ever play with these things. Toys. <laughs> they even That's have funny. they even have Castle Grayskull. If you're looking carefully, it's up on the, like the top shelf on this. Oh, that's great. That's great. <clears throat> sweet. So, hey, Josh, did you notice or did you remember that this is a, this? And I totally um, caught like picked up on this rewatch here. Like it has it's obviously filmed in Utah. And I looked it up and it was filmed in Heber City and Salt Lake City. And in in one of the major climactic scenes, there's like an LDS church in the background, like running across the parking lot. (laughs) And I'm just thinking that's hilarious. And I'm like, boy, I wonder, you know, people probably didn't know what they were doing when they were filming. Of all all the people who would protest a movie like uh, (laughs) like this, you would think the Mormons would be high on the list. So it's funny that it was shot in Utah. But you know, on on the other hand, you know, so were Halloween four and five. So it's it's been a mecca for. For horror movies for some time, I think. That's right, Josh. And and you're going to film our big horror movie here, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. It's coming. So anyway, um, I, I just I want to tell people out there, I, I've got to just encourage people. If you have not seen this, this is definitely one to put on your list, especially at Christmas time. And I could I could even go so far as to say that I think this is something that you could watch every Christmas um, I mean, I think it's that decent. I mean, for me, it's, in terms of ratings, I come in at about a 7 out of 10, and I say buy it. And um, <clears throat> now I'm not going to ask you to give a rating, Josh, unless you want to, because I know it's been a while since you've seen it. But do you have any final comments, Josh? No, I mean, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's one I watched a lot growing up, like I said, and, and I own it now. Um, I have the poster hanging on my wall. So, you know, it's definitely one that I, I'm a big fan of. It's, it's not a great movie, but I think, you know, 6.57 is a good range for me if I were going to rate it. And, uh, yeah, it's one I enjoy watching. It's a good classic 80s slasher. Josh, why do we agree on this podcast, but we don't agree on Movie Podcast Weekly? Why does that no, happen? For some reason, you have good taste in horror movies and bad taste in everything else. <laughs> well, they don't call me Jay of the Dead for nothing. So, uh, uh, Doc, Jock, I have your ratings from Planet Macabre. Do you want to hear those yeah. and then give your final yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually... Very interested to see what I rated that sure. Okay, Dr. Shock gave this a 7.5, and he said buy it. Okay, good. And in case other people are interested, um, Bill Shetty gave it a 7.5, said buy it. Lady Phantom gave it a 6 and said rent it. Greg Amortis gave it a 9 and said buy it. And Hell, oh. yeah, and Hell Hunter gave it a 6.5 and said rent it. So, Interesting. Oh. So that's, that's why I knew Greg Amortis would be high. Slashers are his... Uh, his forte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, see, my thing is, I love eighty slashers too, and they're bi- they're always biased for me. But that doesn't mean my number rating is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, some of them. Um, some of them are are 
some occasionally painful to sit through. Yeah. Uh, you know, with as far as the quality of the of the acting and and the movie itself. Um, but I always find something in there to, you know, to uh, you know, to enjoy about them, and I, I love going back and and revisiting them. I mean, it's funny. There's a movie like um, one we covered on. Um, I, I guess it was the horror movie, uh, the weekly horror podcast. Uh, Jay, the um, pieces. Oh yeah. I mean, that movie is really rough around the edges if you think about it. Um, right. But it's it's very entertaining. You know, especially if you if you enjoy slasher movies. I mean, that's like right up there. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, pieces. That is a good one. People, yeah, should, people should go back and uh, listen to that episode. I'll pull it up here while you're talking. But um, go. You, so what are your final thoughts on it? You tell people to, you still stand by that rating? I assume you do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I might, um, if I rewatched it, I might even come in a little bit higher on it. Uh, 7.5. I was thinking I was probably around 7.5 or even 8. On that one, um, okay. You know, just, just because hmm. I, I like, I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, I'm a fan of slashers. It's not in my top ten slasher movies of all time, um, but it's definitely. Yeah, it's, it's in my top ten one. holiday slashers of all time. Oh holiday yeah, yeah there's, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. It would be yes. in mine as well. Well, yes, of course. Um, and, you know, I, I was noticing. So we've got Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. And then Black Christmas, one of the alternative titles for that movie was what was it? Silent Night Evil Night. Mm-hmm. Right. And we got and Silent the, Night Bloody Night. Yeah, and then Silent Night Bloody <laughs> Night. So did did you guys did anybody see Silent Night Bloody Night at any I point? don't I don't think I ever have known. I think I was that the one with Patrick O'Neill? Yep. Is it always I remember him doing uh radio advertisements for a local radio station uh or TV advertisements for a local radio station near B one oh one that played easy easy listening music. That's how I remember that guy. I don't know. I've never, I've never, um, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious about that one too. And I know I was looking at the credits and I noticed that, uh, Lloyd Kaufman was one of the producers of it, but this is pre trauma. So I'm curious uh, to see what that was all about. Wow. Yeah. I haven't that, seen that. That either. was the same year as black Christmas. Cool. Right. I haven't nice. seen it either. So yeah, maybe we should look into that next maybe Christmas. Next, maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be your job, Josh, to remember that. You have one okay. job, just one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just so, one. So, job. yeah, listeners, you should go back and listen to the Weekly Horror Movie Podcast, Episode 2. That's what he's writing down, by the way, Jay. Not the, not what you've asked him to do. He's writing down one job. Make <laughs> sure that you, you never give him anything else. <laughs> that's right. And, um, in Episode 2, we, we actually review pieces. And then that's also the same episode we review Crawl Space, which we talked about earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, so yeah, let's. Um, oh, one last trivia on this Silent Night, Deadly Night. It opened on the same weekend as A Nightmare on Elm Street, and it briefly outgrossed. It was uh, see by around like let's see one hundred sixty one thousand eight hundred dollars before profits fell about forty five percent by the second weekend. But wow. so it initially was was above A Nightmare on Elm Street, but interesting, but fell miserably no i'm just kidding so anyway <laughs> all right are you guys ready to move into some uh, black christmas oh yeah yeah let's do it a high school girl's been murdered mr harrison's daughter is missing and now at the house where she lives the other girls are getting obscene phone calls remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood crisp winter nights star bright 
Sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Jolet, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Okay, um, hey Joshua, would you like to do the honors and, you know, open us up with the premise and so forth? Well, okay, so Black Christmas, 1974 film directed by Bob Clark. Um, it stars Olivia Hussey, Margot Kidder, um, John Saxon, one of my all-time favorites. And the synopsis from IMDb is pretty simple. The sorority house is terrorized by a stranger who makes frightening phone calls, then murders the sorority sisters during Christmas break. Now, I thought I'd seen this movie, but when I went back to revisit it a couple of years ago, um, I realized I hadn't, and I and I revisited this right around the time I had just joined Land of the Creeps for a stint, and we were talking about um, someone's watching me. And I realized at that time, I was thinking, oh, so someone's watching me must have been where um, the idea in Scream came for the for the phone call killer, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I saw Black Christmas and I thought, oh, wow, that, that even predates someone's even watching. Before that, right. Years. Right. So I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. And the other th- film that came to mind is one we had covered on Horror Metropolis. Um, let's see. That was on episode 10, Slasher U. And that was actually your picks, Doc. And we talked about the house on Sorority Row. This also yeah. kind of reminds me of that film to some degree. As well. It does. You're right. Yeah. Um, well, it has that same setting there. And and torso was the other one that kind of came to mind um, mm-hmm. with Black Christmas. But so those are those are kind of all the things that are floating around in my head um, as I was watching this. But I but yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I thought it's it's got a really big cast for a slasher film, and then maybe that's because the slasher film didn't really exist at the point that this film was made. That could very well be, and I'll tell you what, Margot Kidder. When you see her, especially nowadays, but even when she got to the point of playing Lois Lane. She was a little yeah. bit rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah. She was a, a, a fox. Yes. Oh. In her early days, you watch her in this, you watch her in Brian De Palma's uh, Sisters. She was, she was a knockout. <laughs> I mean, she was a, she was a beautiful girl in, 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 in her younger days. Um, I Did- mean, here she plays a bit of an alcoholic, uh, which was sort of a portent of things to come for her. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> so there was something just very, uh, very sexy about her. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of family. Jess. Jess is my lady in the in the show. Olivia Hussey. I think. Oh she's- yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm gonna That's- make you all jealous right now. I actually dated a girl that looked exactly like her. Nice. I'm serious. Olivia Hussey or Margot Kidder. Uh, Olivia Hussey. Wow. Yeah, she, she's nice. Just saying. <laughs> can can do you have her number still? Or- <laughs> <laughs> shame. Shame. <laughs> anyway she's in salt lake city musician okay. just saying we'll track her down <laughs> no you <laughs> won't and kill her they, they will refer to me as the moaner later on <laughs> yeah what, what's what's being said is in the phone conversations that this guy calls it's it's pretty intense stuff i mean and, oh, and yeah. you know he's uh 
the, the, the things that are, that are coming out of his mouth, you're like, oh my God, I, they, they should have called the cops immediately on this. Yeah, no kidding. Totally. <laughs> Seriously. Well, and actually I've got, um, I've been, you know, as the little audio highlights throughout this episode, I've been playing little portions of the selected portions, not the, the full on hardcore portions. So people have been hearing the, this phone call um, throughout this episode, but um, let me just play one little sample right here. Hello? You fat pig. You pig. Great, that, boy! I'll tell you, that was uh, that, that's exactly how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I thought it was, and I'm not overstating it here. I think that is scary. It it yeah. it kind of freaks me out. Like if you heard that on the phone, because because you know when you first hear the premise, you're like, okay, he's he's calling on the phone. It's like so. I I prank called people on the phone all the time when I was a teenager, you know. Uh-huh. But when you hear this, you're like. That guy is nuts, and he's gonna kill people. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And by the way, I know that in the remake, um, much to Doc's chagrin, they go into a lot of the backstory for Billy. It but, just wasn't necessary. <laughs> right, I just, right. I'm not a fan of that remake for that reason alone. Mm. Um, they go into so much detail about uh, his his life, what what got him to that point. Um, and, uh, they, I think he's even yellow. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's like you know? jaundiced and he loves yeah, eyeballs. <laughs> exactly. It's, it just wasn't necessary because it, 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 it did not, uh, it did not hurt the first movie that we knew nothing about Billy. Right. Not at all. It didn't, it didn't make it any less creepy, any less frightening that we knew nothing. If anything, it made it more frightening because now, you know, th- th- it's almost like we have to somehow identify with what's turned this person into a killer. The fact that he's leaving these phone messages, he's had a pretty disturbing life. And we could, we could come to that conclusion on our own without knowing anything about his past. I just don't see why, uh, I just don't see why it was necessary to, to give him a backstory to, to throw that into the movie. But the reason I bring this up, actually, is if you listen carefully to what he's saying, especially when he starts out the phrases, what your mother and I must know is, um, if you listen carefully, you can figure out why, um, you know, this huge event from his, you know, earlier in his life and why he's messed up. It, it, you can totally get that. Did you guys get that? Because I don't want to spoil. I kind of want to leave it as a yeah, surprise for the listeners. But um, did you guys catch that? I can't say I, sp- I specifically pulled that out of what he was saying. Okay. No, I can't say I did. Okay, yeah. Like he, you know, there's something that you can get from the dialogue that he actually he actually did when he was younger. And you can you can hear it. And it's obvious that that is a huge source of, of wow. what you have before you with this guy. So I remember lines like, we know what you did, nasty Billy. Yeah. Uh, things like that. I, th- those are the, the ones I remember. And that's just just the overall, you know, because a lot of times while the call is going on, they're getting uh, reaction shots of the girls' faces. 
Um, right. And then and they're like, it's, I think Margo Kidder sort of playing along with the guy, um, you know, while our other ones are sort of, you know, definitely creeped out by it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and in fact, I read in the trivia too that, um, you know, when you hear the voice, you're like, surely that's not one person making that voice, which makes it even scarier. And they actually had three people contributing to that. But at the time, they didn't have all that ready. And so, you know, the actresses are just reacting to somebody, you know, reading mm-hmm. the script, which I don't know. I mean, as an actor, I mean, Josh, you, you shoot documentary films usually, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Does that affect actors, though, do you think, to not be reacting to that an actual performance if they just no, got I, mean, I don't know. I think it depends on and, – and I do shoot documentaries, but I've also worked on a lot of fictional films, I'll, I'll say. And, um, I think it depends on the actor to some degree. Um, you know, a good actor can use their imagination, right. um, you know, and they don't need to necessarily have something – physically happening to them to be able to turn in a good performance. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I would just think that if I were an actor having that immediate, um, thing to interact with, as they say, acting is reacting. So if you're having something that you can be react, actually reacting to, that would just improve the performance and add to the spontaneity and the intensity of the performance. Mm-hmm. Neat. That's interesting. Well, you know what I wanted to praise the most about this movie and really highlight for people is, you know, from the opening shot, like as soon as it opens, I was blown away with like the setting and the the mise-en-scene, like all all the things that are included. This doesn't look like just some, you know, back lot set. It doesn't look like it was just thrown together. It looks like a real sorority house that was actually lived in. The Christmas decorations look legit, like they were actually like not just put up for a movie, but they actually existed. And, and like all of the scenes totally look just real and really inhabited. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it was, it was probably shot on a smaller budget and it was probably shot on location and real places. Um, it was a Canadian film, right? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But, but and it was an independent film. So they probably were in real places and rather than, you know, uh, a manufacturer set. And I think that, adds a lot of realism to a film. I, I always appreciate that myself. But it's hard to put my finger on it, though. I mean, it's even more than just being on location. Not to be annoying here, but um, <laughs> there's something about it that makes it look like the verisimilitude almost makes it look documentary-like. Yeah. Like 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 they're actually filming, like this is really happening. Kind of like with, you know, our favorite doc, the Texas, you know, when when you look at that film, it just looks like it's really happening. Look like somebody caught right. it on film. You can almost feel the heat coming off the screen, you know, for, yeah. because it was filmed in such hot, you know, the, the such, um, uh, as the actors were saying, it was like over a hundred degrees when they were making that movie. You can actually feel the heat in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know what you're, what you're saying. It's almost like you can, you can sort of feel the cold. I mean, this was shot. It looks like in winter in these actual locations. And, um, yeah, uh, and you can you can feel like even there's a scene where everyone's gathering. There's a young girl missing, and everyone's gathering to to sort of go out looking for her. And you can you can almost feel the chill in the air as they're doing so. You know, um, as as they're standing around talking there. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, and and I think it does add it does add a lot to this movie that a that a set just wouldn't give you. Mm-hmm. 
you know, no matter how well how well it's put together, you you just wouldn't get that from from a, from a studio. Yeah, from a studio location. Totally, totally agree with you there. I think the thing that stands out to me is just how black it is. You know, I mean, we yeah. talked about Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's a fun slasher movie. This is a scary movie, right? Scary. You know, it comes and, right down to it. It's it, this one is this is this is a this is a very frightening individual carrying out these uh carrying out these these crimes and and what i think really got me i'm sorry josh i don't mean to interrupt you here no it's fine go for it um what really got me about this movie was we're let in on something at the beginning that the other characters don't know uh as to where this person is set up um you know i mean i guess it's not really a spoiler because we know from the very beginning right that he's in the house with them the whole time he's yeah. sort of set up in the attic there exactly he's yeah. living with them he could have descended down he could have gone down there at any point and just murdered them all whenever he felt like it it really adds a, a, a level of of tension to this movie that you know, through the whole running time, you're like, my, you know, he's right there. You're standing around, you're talking, you're having a good time. Get the hell out of there. Right. You know, through the whole movie, you, the, you, it's got that, that, that just that tension running just underneath it of, of, of us having information that the characters don't have. Right. You know, that's the, that's the, um, the, the suspense as Hitchcock, that was almost Hitchcock's definition of suspense. Right. There's you a know, bomb by, on the bus. Exactly. You, you, Bring the audience on board with what's going on, and then you let events play out. And that's why from start to finish, this movie, there it has that tension that yes. you're always on edge because of that. You know, because you know where this guy is and nobody else does. Mm-hmm. And go ahead, Josh, please. No, please go ahead. I was, I gonna, was gonna digress. I, I really think that that's why this film works so well, because you wonder, like, I mean, the first kill that happens. Uh, that one is really ridden a lot throughout the film. That first kill, which, which by the way, I love the way that that's used and and what's done with it, like with the body and so forth, mm-hmm. because that that's creepy. Like the whole film, like it really freaks me out all the way to the end. But um, absolutely, the girl's father shows up and right. I'm looking for. Meanwhile, she's just her body is just staring out the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's just a, a really frightening, Im- like genuinely frightening image. And yeah, and on top of that, though, like there's not. You could say one could argue that that the film, in terms of action or like kills, it's a little bit slower. And I don't say that negatively this time. But it still works all the way through. Like I was, you know, when I watch this, I am with this film the whole way through. I'm not bored at all. And, no, and it, and a lot of that is because of the setup, because we know where where he is. So there's always going to be tension. Yes. You know, yeah. as they're just sitting on, as the one girl go, I'm going up to bed. You're like, oh well, she might get it. You know, and there's always there's always the possibility that something's going to happen, even if something, even if nothing is happening. There's always the chance that it will. <laughs> and and I think that that's what it really does. Just it keeps you on your toes throughout the entire movie. It was it was a stroke of genius, really, to 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 build it that way. Yeah, you know, I mean, he could have gone just for a complete shock and and shown this guy descending the stairs and and have the cops, you know, do the whole he's in the he's in the house with you. Wasn't interested in that. He filled this in right from the beginning, and and it it just worked. It worked in the movies. It really worked in the movie's favor. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. neat. So what was your digression, Josh? I was just going to mention, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned that Bob Clark was the, was the uh, director and I'm sorry, Ben Clark was the director. And 
I think, um, you know, he is always just getting back to the realism you were mentioning. I think he's always done a really good job of making these Canadian locations look like these kind of all American settings. You know, he's the guy that did Porky's. Um, he's the guy that did uh, a Christmas story. Yeah, how amazing! Enough. How amazing is that that he's that he did probably he did my favorite <laughs> Christmas horror movie and he's done a beloved Christmas classic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he's good at he's good at, for a Canadian guy. He's good at capturing this all American uh, aesthetic and and tone. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit. I guess. To think about, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, I I agree with him. He's uh, he's almost in a way. If if you think about it, he's he's uh, almost like Howard Hawks, and that he worked in a lot of different genres. Yeah, you know, he's not quite. His career. Not quite as impressive filmography as Howard. <laughs> no, Hawks. no, 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 no. I'm not at all. Not at all. I'm looking, I mean, I'm looking I, now. He did. He did. Baby geniuses. Um, well, yeah, that was that super was a, babies. Baby geniuses too. And, those, uh, are, those are definite, uh, but I mean, he's done. But and the done, karate like, dog, the karate dog is on there as well. <laughs> but then he's done, you know, if you look earlier, this career, like you said, he's done Porky's, which is Turk almost, 182 is actually one of my all time favorite movies, an underrated film. That he is that the one with well. Tim Hutton as the, yeah. um, as the fireman? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I remember that one. That's an awesome movie. I remember that one. Then he even did Rhinestone with um, Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton. Oh, but yeah, I mean, right, if yeah. you but if you look at some of his like um, uh, Dead of Night is is a really good, uh, and that's another one with, that it deals with a soldier coming back from the Vietnam War. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which I don't think is is no, not exactly my favorite um, zombie movie, but has some has some uh, it, it has some really great makeup effects uh, for early on. Um, you know, a movie like he's, he did Breaking Point. He did Murder by Decree, which is one of the the best Sherlock Holmes uh, hmm. movies ever, in my opinion. Oh, so, man, I, I mean, need to check that out. Yeah, definitely check out Murder by Decree because if I'm not mistaken, it also ties in. Um, it's like Sherlock Holmes going against Jack the Ripper. Nice. You know, which That's which good. is. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, Plunger, a, Sherlock Holmes, yeah. a, a Christmas story he did. Um, Love it. Uh, the movie uh, I remember. I'm, it, it says here tribute, which I don't remember. It has Jack Lemmon and Robbie Benson in it, and I don't know that I remember. I remember that was a cable movie back in the day. But if you look at his early career, um, yeah, I can't defend Baby Geniuses. Sorry, <laughs> and, and, and they come in and do a sequel to Baby Geniuses. Um, but if you look at where he started, I mean, he, there's you've got. You've got you've got comedy, you've got um, you know drama, you've got and a lot thrillers, of classic films, a lot of classic, a lot of classic films, and and and, and even some period pe- like the um, Murder by Decree in there. So he he really was sort of stretching himself out. He wasn't concentrating on one specific uh, genre, which is and where I said not form the th- you know the slasher genre. So yeah, he right. did. He really did. I mean, you know, uh, Black Christmas jo- does predate Halloween by. By four years, mm-hmm. it's one of those proto slashers like Psycho or Sure, right? So right, exactly. I mean, I still would look at Halloween as the movie that launched the genre because yeah. of its success. Absolutely, you know, it, it, you it, without without the success, you know, a movie can it can have all of the uh, all of the uh, no, the cliche. These were hints, cliche. These were hints though, right? Like exactly. Yes. What would come? I mean, there's that scene. I'm there's sorry, that scene. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, there's that scene that's such a classic slasher type scene with the Christmas carolers, drowning mm-hmm. out 
the noise of the attack, and that to yes. me just feels like such a classic slasher scene. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Even even the even the uh, the 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 POV shots. Oh you know, yeah. The killer's perspective that that are throughout this movie. Um, where we're all we always know where he is. Some you know, or there are times where we know exactly where he is, um, you know, because we're looking through his eyes. That became a a, a definite staple. Yeah, which probably comes from the Giallo stuff, but yeah, you're right, I, you're right, and that would that would have been influenced by uh, by those movies, and, you know, definitely. So um, yeah, it's a, but, it helps a unique little spot in horror history. Abs- I think. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it was before Halloween and it has a lot of the same, um, it, it has a lot of those slasher standards in it, but it just didn't have the success. So Halloween has to be, it has to be the grandfather of the, yeah. of the slasher genre because it had all of these things. Plus, uh, it hit the, it hit the box office that made it possible for, for people to sit up and take notice and say, Hey, these are the type of movies we should probably be you know, emulating here or doing they really gave the killer archetype that, that yes. this one doesn't quite have as much. But. That's that's true. That's true. Mm. Yeah. And but, but a great but a great movie. And a dark absolutely creepy and, movie. I mean it would be my it would be in my uh, it is in my my top ten slasher movies, you know, of uh, of all time. It's uh it's probably in my top five actually. Wow, great. Oh. It's a great pick. It's probably in my top fifteen. But um, I think maybe I need to revise that top ten slashers. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's been a couple recently that I'm like, well, I know they're not in my top ten, but I don't know. Maybe I need to look at that again. But I think one of the biggest things for me on this movie is just I'm all about premise. I'm a premise guy. I'm a story guy, and the concept of someone in your attic that you don't <laughs> that you don't know is there that freaks me out because that there that's based in truth. There was um. There's actually a story within the last 30 years of somebody was like living in someone else's attic like that. And then mm-hmm. the family didn't know about it. And that is freaky. And like, I have one of those attic doors in my house and um, I'm always like concerned about that. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, so. I had, I had a, like an incredibly disturbing dream a, a few months ago where I was walking through my house and, and, I went down in the basement where my sons play all the time, and when I walked into the laundry room, I found that there was somebody living behind our our boiler that he had set up a, a little space back there and and um, and they had been living there <laughs> and it was almost like it was almost like i had I had woken up from my sleep and walked down there specifically to find this person oh, no. um, and it was very unsettling <laughs> when I woke up it, it took me a little little bit of time i actually went down there and checked and of, of course there's nobody there um but it was it just really sort of put me on edge he was probably Man, out what, getting what would you have done if there had been something there <laughs> please i have no clue <laughs> i don't even want to think about it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea what i would have done i, I don't know that I, I i probably would have shut the door and called 911 as fast as i could <laughs> i wouldn't mess with dave becker he's dr shock I wouldn't yeah, do it. Shocked you. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, let's hope he knows. Let's hope he uh, he feels the same way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so do you want to hear your uh, Planet Macabre ratings on this Black Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Okay. This is fun. Oh, well, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm having a good. I'm having a good time. I'm <laughs> well, good. That that's why we do this, actually. Okay. So, um, on Planet Macabre episode two, Christmas horror, Doctor Shock gave Black Christmas an eight. 
And he said, buy it. And he said on there, he has the Blu-ray, but he said it's not a great transfer. No, it's not. And I picked the Blu-ray up very, very inexpensive um, at our local FYE store here. I was just shocked it was on Blu-ray. I had no idea this thing was even out on Blu-ray. I mean, I've had that happen to me a few times, I think. I know with this movie, and then one time I'm walking through a store, and I found the original you know, Batman from 1966 movie with Adam <laughs> West and and the one with the with penguin the, and the Riddler and all that. And, shark on the <laughs> ladder. <laughs> exactly, and then the, and the great line, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Right. Um, you know, I, I found that one on Blu-ray, and I had to pick it up. I said, I don't even, I don't even care if... You know, if I have to scrape together change, I'm buying this thing. You know, it's, but that was the way I reacted when I saw Black Christmas on the shelf. I'm like, I had no idea that this was even on Blu-ray, and it's not much of an improvement over the over the DVD. Uh, you know, is, is uh, part of the reason, I guess, why it wasn't so so widely promoted. Um, but you know, I, I I'm glad. It's definitely one I'm glad to own, and uh, I return to uh, pretty often. I mean, it's not. Uh, I think the ones I'd still put Halloween above it, obviously. Well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is always going to be number one, but I would definitely put Halloween above it. Um, and uh, My Bloody Valentine is my favorite '80s slasher movie. Um, mm-hmm. Would 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 come in above Black Christmas, but other than that, I mean, you're looking at maybe Friday the Thirteenth and then Black Christmas. That would sort of round out my top five. Nice. Well done. Would well, you guys want to hear the other Planet Macabre hosts' ratings yes, on it? Yes, yes, please. Okay. Greg Amorzis gave it an 8 and said, buy it. <clears throat> Lady Phantom gave it an 8 and said, rent it. Um, <laughs> Hell Hunter gave it an 8 and said, buy it. And Bill Shetty said, 8.5, buy it and watch it once a year. Yep. That's <laughs> what he said. And, and, that's, and I come in at an 8 on this one. This is a definite 8, and this is a buy for certain what about- I might even I would might even improve mine to an eight point five on this. Okay. I might I might have come in a little bit low there. You want me to? Okay, I'll update it. Yeah, then. bump it up. Yeah, update it. Okay, eight point five for Doctor Shock. And what about you, Wolfman? Yeah, and I'll give it an eight and say buy it. I have the DVD. Um, I know now not to buy the Blu-ray. But, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Doc, the the Blu-ray you got, you you think that was the two thousand eight release? Uh, it would have been yes. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah and the reviews online for that are pretty bad. So yeah, it, that was the one. That was the one I picked up, and I was watching it, and I'm like, boy, this just doesn't. It doesn't improve. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was even it was it was early when I had got when I had Blu-ray. I mean, I think the uh, by this point, I oh, the only other horror movies that I had on Blu-ray were um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course. And um, I think the original Halloween that came out were the only other ones that I had. So Black Christmas was like I'd only had Blu-ray for maybe a few weeks at that time. It was maybe the third horror Blu-ray that I picked up, hmm. um, and I just wasn't impressed with it. I, you know, I popped it in. I said, "Boy, this is just not." You know, whereas the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Blu-ray that, that Dark Sky Films put out, it's it's amazing. You know, not just for the the transfer of the film, but all of the extras and everything. Well, the Black Christmas is just sort of. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have it doesn't have that. Yeah. Say, by the way, do you guys know who else loves Black Christmas like we do? Who's that? Who's Comedian Steve Martin. In 1986, when Olivia Hussey met the producers for the film Roxanne, because they were interested in casting her for that role, um, 
Steve Martin met her and said, oh my, Olivia, you were in one of my all-time favorite films. And she thought immediately he was referring to Romeo and Juliet. But oh. it, it was actually Black Christmas. And Interesting. Steve Martin says that he's seen it over 20 times. So Wow. <laughs> that's that's something else. I, I wouldn't have pictured him as a, as, a, as a fan of that movie. That's something else. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's, and Olivia Hussey was also in a movie that I saw a lot on cable when I was younger. And I actually did it on the, it was one of the first 20 movies I covered on the blog, uh, The Man with Bogart's Face. Oh, okay. It's it's um it's it's uh sort of a, a comedy slash you know film noir throwback. It has um oh god the guy who was famous for looking exact and he basically impersonated Bogart. Can't remember his name now. Um, now it's going to drive me crazy. So I got to look it up. But anyway, uh, it, it it's 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 a it's a Bogart movie. You know, set in 1980, and Olivia Hussey's in it. Um, I know it has, um, oh, uh, God, Lily Munster, um, the actress who played <laughs> Lily Munster is in it. Um, and it's just a fun movie. You know, it's one of those ones when, when I was, when I was doing it for the, for the block, I mean, I saw it all the time on cable back when I was a kid and I thought it was, it, it wasn't going to hold up. I said, this movie's just not going to hold up with the premise and everything. Robert Sackey, that's his name. Um, with, and, oh, it even has Franco Nero and Michelle Phillips too. Wow, it's a real interesting cast, um, and it was the last movie George Raft ever made. But it's it's just got this this premise of you know a Bogart and he, this guy who looks like Bogart is a private detective, and he takes on a case very much like the Maltese Falcon. Um, and it, I thought, well, this is just going to come off goofy as hell, and I enjoyed it as much now as I did back then. It it really does wow. hold up, you know. It, and it, it also goes by uh, by another name. Uh, which forget it. I'm not even going to bother looking that up. But if you get a chance, yeah, it's from 1980, the man with Bogart's face and Olivia Hussey is in that. She plays, um, she plays the daughter of the guy who's murdered that actually kicks off this case. Well, it- AKA Sam Marlowe, private eye. That's what it is. Sam Marlowe, private eye. That was the other title. Yeah. And I just, it's a fun, fun movie. I mean, it won, it did win a Razzie award for worst original song. I don't think the song's that bad to be honest with you, but <laughs> Well, but it's a very entertaining movie. If we're doing Olivia Hussey crossover, you know, film recommendations, since this is our Christmas horror episode, I would highly recommend Jesus of Nazareth from 1977. If you're a Christian That's and right. you're celebrating Christmas, she plays Mary in that. And um, it's an incredible, it was a TV miniseries and it is, mm-hmm. it is incredible because Robert Powell plays Christ and he is... Um, in my opinion, he looks the most like what I would picture Christ to look like in its incredible film. So, just I'll tell you what, that, that, that was one movie my like my mother would always sit us down and make us sort of watch. You know, over the over the it was at Easter, I think that one played obviously, um, and and would sit down and make us watch it. And I never minded because I I really did enjoy that. I mean, that was I have that I have that on DVD upstairs as a matter of fact as well. It's incredible. Um, yeah, it's very good. Uh, it's it's an excellent miniseries. It's got to be one of the one of the best. It was at a time when miniseries were sort of, um, you know, ruled the airwaves. There were tons of them coming out at that time. Well, two and, other two other miniseries that she was in that I love are it Stephen King's it and, uh, and <laughs> Death on the Nile. Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. Those are two of my all time favorite yeah. movies, actually. So nice. nice. 
Very cool. Yeah, look at us busting out the Olivia Hussey filmography. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we don't mess around on horror movie podcasts. And guys. I still need that girl's number, Jason. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'll send it to your wife, and if she wants okay, to give yeah. it to you, then yeah, well, she takes all my messages. But yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, to to wrap up this show, um, we've got some great listener feedback. But I want to say this has been really interesting. On episode four, um, it it was like the listener feedback completely stopped almost. And I think maybe people got sick of hearing us thank them so profusely. <laughs> and so, well, listeners, we just want to promise you out there, I, I've, I've decided this. It's like, we won't take 20 minutes to express how grateful we are. So, we just know you know how grateful we are. So, if you keep sending your stuff and we'll talk about it and we won't say thank you for 20 minutes. So, <laughs> but we've been so grateful and that's, so I'll just leave it at that. But we got our first voicemail ever. Um, for this podcast, and it's from our very good friend. I I love this guy. I really do. I want to meet him someday in person. And guys, we got to have him on the show one of these days. Um, I've got some big plans for him, actually. But um, this is from our friend Levi, the Unknown Murderer. And check this out. Hey, guys, this is the Unknown Murderer. Uh, hoping I'll be the first voicemail that you receive, just because I'm uh, obnoxious that way. Uh, it's... 4.55 in the morning, just finishing up listening to the latest show, and I wish that it had gone on even longer than it did. I really can't get enough of listening to you guys talk about horror films. I'll try and keep this short. Deathly Spawn is my favorite beastly freak horror film of all time. That monster in that movie is fantastic, and even as a jaded teenager, it was completely unaffected by I Spit on Your Grave at the time. When I saw the girl get her head bitten off in the Deadly Spawn and go falling out of a window, I was appalled. Something about the gray, rainy atmosphere and the way she died just chilled me. And uh, it has my single favorite use of profanity in a film ever. You know, I, you know, I don't, I don't dig the F word, but when it's used one time in that movie, it's used with such effect and such hilarious effect that I laugh every time I see it. Yeah, I absolutely love that movie. I've got two T-shirts. Uh, let's see, Cold Prey one and two. Absolutely love those. I watched those within the last year, and watching them back to back is almost as good as watching Wreck One and Two back to back. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, what else? Oh, Josh, you're wrong. The Ginger Dead Man is at least a six point five or a seven for people who wow. think that kind of stuff is funny. I wish it had hit you better than it did. But Gary Busey as a killer cookie is amazing. Also, I want to see Ginger Dead Man versus Demonic Toys or. Ginger Dead Man versus Puppet Master. I, I actually really enjoy Full Moon. They don't make good movies, but they make fun movies. Love the show. I hope I uh, get to talk to you guys someday. But anyway, thanks for the show, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> don't you just love that guy? 6.5, Levi? <laughs> wow. I haven't, I haven't seen the Ginger Dead Man, so I can't really comment on that. But, I um, haven't either, but now that he said that, I really trust what the unknown murderer says so josh i'm starting to wonder mm, seriously <laughs> I, I you know is it a full moon is it's a charles brand uh full moon uh production is that what it is the ginger dead man mm. i i'm i'm because I, I actually just recently watched uh, a full moon production that i was a little bit lukewarm on myself uh the dead i mean i living. think he's gotten worse and worse as time's gone on i think he had some better movies earlier on and mm-hmm like I, I actually kind of like demonic toys. It's certainly not a well-made movie, <laughs> you know. It doesn't, um, but uh, 
but there was just something about it that I that I liked. I liked those toys. <laughs> I don't like I don't like snarky demon cutesy killers. <laughs> so going back to Chucky, you know, I you know, and they all they they all seem to be serial killer ghost is inhabiting. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit on this episode with Jack Frost. I don't know what it is about just these like typically cutesy things with kind of like this fast talking, you know, evil little soul. I don't know. It's just, just really don't find it in any way entertaining. And are you not, are you not a fan of the I'm, child's play series? I'm not or? a child's play fan. I'm not a Chucky fan. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, ah. I'm, I'm borderline on Freddie. Um, but, but particularly Chucky, I, I'm not a fan of, and, um, I don't know. I don't, I just don't find it scary. I just find it just seems kind of goofy to me. See, and I that, like, I, I'll, I'll disagree with you on the first child's play because I okay. think that the way that, yeah. um, that, that, that doll reacted, there's, there's some scenes in that movie where, you know, where she first finds out that the batteries weren't even put in there and he just decides, you know, the, 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 to let loose and go crazy on her. That's fair enough. But by the time you get to Bride of Chucky, I mean, <laughs> well, right. yeah. I mean, by that point, it's 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 full blown comedy practice. And no. Gingerbread Man, Ginger Dead Man, is closer to Bride of Chucky. You know, okay. I mean, so I, I mean, I like my horror comedies, but I prefer a Tremors to a to right. a Ginger Dead Man. That's because oh, it's beastly I, freak. Yeah, I can't argue. I mean, I love Tremors too. And it's funny he mentions the Deadly Spawn. Yeah, I actually have not seen that movie. You must, but but I saw the trailer, which has an edited version, obviously, of that line he's talking about, and I cracked up. It's hilarious, you know. I mean, because you you know what what this girl says, and and it is it is a, a hilarious use <laughs> of. <laughs> he's absolutely right on, on that one, that- um, and I actually I do have. I think a Blu-ray. There's a Blu-ray coming out, if it's not already out, of The Deadly Spawn. You should buy it. I, I did that as my Beastly Freak for the, um, episode four, our previous show, and I loved mm-hmm. it. That was a listener recommendation, and that is a good... I really like that movie. I Boy, I, I'm with and you, And it's, it's ultra, you know, low budget, mm-hmm. obviously. Let me see. The Deadly Spawn... Um, While you're looking uh, that up, it's I'm com- just going to... It's oh sorry, it came out last February, so it's actually almost you know it's been ten months since it's come out. Man, I can't believe it. I remember when it was new. I was just gonna say to Levi, so you know, take take my recommendation then with a grain of salt. But if you do like the Charles Band stuff, if you like Ginger Dead Man, you know you you maybe check out some of these movies I've been saying to avoid. Check out Jack Frost and uh, and check out Thanks Killing because again, you just got a dirty talking. Killer turkey, you know, if that's your thing, then uh, <laughs> I think Although, I think uh, Levi does yeah, like man. dirty talking turkeys. <laughs> and and you know what? Obviously, Troma and and you know all of these companies, that none of them would exist if there wasn't a market out there for this stuff. So right. I, I'm you know I'm not you know you're not alone. Obviously, but it's just not it's just not necessarily my cup of tea. Evil bong, and you know it's not not the kind of stuff I'm into. <laughs> I like I think I like Troma. Uh, maybe a little bit more. See, because one of the big, um, you know, Charles Band series is uh, Puppet Master, and I'll be, I'll be honest, I don't get that. I, I, the first Puppet Master just struck me as um, I couldn't get over. You know, normally you don't look at these uh, type of movies for the acting, but it was so atrocious. Right. The, the acting <laughs> in that movie was so bad that it was a it was a distraction. Other than um, uh, 
you know, who was it? Uh, is it William Hickey? Uh, who played uh, the the guy at the beginning who actually created the puppets? Oh, that right. whole uh, that whole opening scene I loved. I thought the whole opening scene with where with the little puppets where he's and running where, around exactly yeah, where he's cool. dealing with them. I loved that scene. I thought I, I thought wow when I had that scene I thought wow I'm really in for something kind of kind of cool here um, from that whole opening. Um, but then when it got to to Paul Lamat, um, you know who, who has been good before. You know, he was in American Graffiti, and I thought he did a good job in that movie, or at least, you know, at least an adequate job in that movie. He's brutal, absolutely brutal <laughs> in this uh, movie. It, and, for some and, reason, I don't think Puppet Master is among the worst, though. For some reason, I mean, oh no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no. I, like I said, I just recently saw um, a, a full moon picture called "The Dead Hate the Living," and it had some good scenes in it, but it it just wasn't really. It just didn't really do it for me either. Um, you know, so I think, I think I, I, I definitely sort of lean more towards trauma, I think, than, than, uh, than the full moon. I do enjoy the, the trauma movies, uh, even yeah. with as goofy as they are. Like I, I, I really do like class of Newcomb high. I just think that's a fun. Well, movie. yeah. I mean, it's hard to say you like trauma or, or full moon because you've got so many movies you're talking about there. Yeah. Like with trauma, you know, yeah, there are ten trauma movies that I love, but there are a hundred that I don't like. Get, get <laughs> so this, like, get this, yeah. you guys. My favorite trauma is probably Mother's Day. But you want to hear something random about that? I was yeah. in, I was in Walmart, right? And Josh, this is the Walmart there in Provo or Orem or whatever, and uh, <laughs> they actually have Mother's Day on DVD for five bucks. Isn't that random? Like, why would they have? Mother's Day. It is really strange what you come across in those five dollar bins at Walmart. <laughs> you know, you're you're looking through them. First off, I kick myself because I'm finding movies that a year earlier I paid you know full price for. Right. That are sitting in this five dollar bin, I find tons of those in there. And that, but you're absolutely right. You you come across these things and and you're like, you know, th- this isn't a Walmart. This uh, th- there's no. How did they? Somebody must have just dropped off a box of movies and said, "Here, throw these in your five dollar bin." And yeah, and, uh, and nobody even, you know, th- this is not somebody selecting these films. This is just sort of a, a random uh, container that showed up and said, "Here are your new five dollar movies." And in that same, in that same five dollar bin, they also had the original "I Spit on Your Grave." Like I, I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't believe that. I know they they have stuff. They have stuff like that, and then every oh, now and again, yeah. you're gonna. And I, the one I always find is is like you know Kirk Cameron's whatever that series he put out. Um, I don't oh, even like know the what Left it, Behind or whatever. Yes, the Left Behind. You see, Kirk Cameron's Left Behind. There's always that collection of 300 cartoons. That have like the old time Popeye and Superman yeah. movies in there. Oh yeah, you know I'm always coming across, and then a, a whole bunch of like RV and 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 and, and monster <laughs> truck DVDs are going to be in there. But every now and again, you're going to come across something like um like you were saying, you know, like like that. Or I'm trying to think, what was the what was the one I, I there was one that I saw. And I was absolutely floored. I think it was it was it was missing the the Jack Lemmon Sissy Spacek movie. Um, you know, from, from what was it? 82 It was nominated for best picture. I'm like, what the hell is this doing in the $5 bin? <laughs> I know, you know right? with, 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 with Kirk Cameron's left behind and, and, and all of these other sort of, uh, you know, it's... like, uh, uh, you know, Ernest goes to camp and all these other things. You, you, you got this movie missing in here and Goodfellas and the departed. And right, like, yes. so but that's funny. when it's, that's when it's a great time to pick up Goodfellas or, or heat when, you know, like, cause they're always in the $5 bin for some reason. So you can always, 
That's yeah. why I have three copies of each of them is because I keep forgetting that I own them and <laughs> seeing them for five bucks and I snatch yeah, them up. Well, that, but the $5 bin can also be dangerous. I have my, that, that story of mine of um, uh, the, uh, what is it? The Spice Girls movie. Um, <laughs> or where I you didn't take, even realize. Take some big chances, huh? So I didn't even realize I had it. And I, I went and I, I, you know, I looked and I, I was even telling somebody I'll never watch that movie. I, I would, I would, you know. I'd, I'd sew it into the earth and pour salt over it to make sure the movie never grew again um, before I'd watch that movie. And I'd, I'm looking over my collection, and there it is, that, that Spice Girls movie. And I said, well, that must be a, I must have had a typo. You know, sometimes I do these things late at night, and I went to the container, and there is the Spice Girls movie. And two away from it is, is Super Mario Brothers. You know, two movies I would have never thought I would ever have in my collection. I got them both. And when I looked it up, I bought them at Walmart in the $5 bin. Let's ask the listeners to write in and tell us what the craziest movies they've found in the Walmart $5 bin, especially horror, because I'd be interested in hearing that, because uh, I want to see if anybody can top Mother's Day and I spit on your grave. <laughs> yeah, and Levi, I came across a movie that um, I'm going to recommend to you based on your your tastes that we've discovered this evening. And uh, I didn't know it existed. You probably do. Cause you follow these full moon feature releases apparently, <laughs> but uh, apparently a 2013 release ginger dead man versus evil bong. And the cover is the ginger dead man writing the evil bong. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds and, like gold. And it features Gary Busey and Tommy Chong from those original films, but only in archival footage. Wow. You know that's going to be quality stuff. (laughs) Josh, you've got to make something like this. You've got to make a film like this. Well, I know I can get Gary Busey for it, whatever it is, because he did Ginger Dead Man. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But but Gary Busey, he was was nominated for an Oscar, wasn't he, for the Buddy Holly story? And he had that—he had that great part in uh, *Deadly Spawn*. Oh, not *Deadly Spawn*. He had that great uh, part in *Lethal Weapon*. Yes, *Point Break* Um, is is my go-to. And and *Point Break*. Yes, exactly. I mean, this guy—this guy is not. He's had his career, I guess, ever since he, ever since that motorcycle accident, you know, where he he was he was sort of an opponent of wearing helmets. Uh, Well, Jason, I'm going to put you to the test. I'm going to put both of you guys to the test. Why don't you, if you, since you don't believe me, Jason, okay. why don't you go out and watch Ginger Dead Man and report back to us on the next episode? <laughs> I, I know I do believe you because that doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> now, oh, so there you go. Yeah, um, now, okay. No, I, right, now it comes out. Here's the here's the thing. You got you. Maybe you guys are forgetting this. Maybe, but um, it was it was our friend Levi, the unknown murderer himself, who wrote that very scholarly, you know. A take there on John Carpenter's Halloween between the yes. sheets article. And so this is the same guy. So if he's saying, you know, he's coming up with stuff like that on Halloween and he's saying he's, he can appreciate ginger dead man. Maybe there's something to it, but yet, I mean, but not I, to the point you'll check it out. I, okay. I, I will. No, I, I believe in, I believe in Lehi, Levi. So I, I okay. will check it out. <laughs> I no, guess yeah, if, if I must, I mean, I, I would, I'd probably, you know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be against, uh, wouldn't be against watching it either. Okay. Well, you know, I've never it. seen it either. <laughs> yeah. No, when you had one, uh, Josh, actually, what was it? Um, one of your, uh, one of your picks, was it, was it she wolf of London? Don't tell me you liked it too. No, Hammer, no, I haven't seen Hammer it. Hammer already gave me crap about it. <laughs> I have not, I have not seen she wolf of London to be honest with you. Um, but the, the original werewolf of London from the thirties, 
uh-huh. the one that predated the Wolfman, yeah, uh, was was not a strong effort. Well, it was not a strong werewolf movie, and I think that was also set in, and it was also set in London. And I'm wondering if this is a sequel to that one. And no, it's not. And it also came on that um, Wolfman Universal Wolfman pack. Yes, uh, right around the time of Van Helsing did, they released all of the old Wolfman movies on one in one package. Yes, and those those are great to have for the movies. You know, like I have the ones of the the Blu-ray classic, Universal classics, but I hold on to those other ones because they have the other movies. You know, like the 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 ones that um, like. Uh, Son of Frankenstein and um, and Son of Dracula and all those other films are are on those sets, so that's why I hold on to those as well. Um, the only problem, I mean, the only problem I have with the special features on there is that it, it, a lot of them turn out to be a commercial for Van Helsing. Right. <laughs> you know, they're, they're where they're really it's it's Stephen Summers sitting there talking about how he incorporated the yeah. classic into Van Helsing, and uh, <laughs> boy, Van Helsing just that was. Uh, Careful what you say because we actually have a fan of Van Helsing on the line. (laughs) His name is Jason J of the Dead Piles. Is it Van Helsing? I'm not saying I hated Van Helsing. I don't (laughs) hate Van Helsing. You you should say you hated it. I got to revisit. I don't hate. I don't hate Van Helsing, but it was a disappointment. It was was, when I saw in the theater. I was disappointed. I saw it in theaters and I actually enjoyed it. But I've heard from all my co-hosts and friends that it's a terrible movie. So I need to go back and watch it and see what I enjoyed about it because now because Steven Summers the Mummy his original the the Mummy from 1999 right I think yeah. that's a fun movie it I think is fun. I have a lot yeah. of fun with that movie I mean it's it's goofy and it's it's crazy but one of the great things is it's got these it's got these losers all of the main characters are basically losers right. who stumble on something very bad and have to and have to fix it. I mean, there's not a single one of them that they're lovable losers, every single one of them. And I think that makes it an endearing film. Um, and even the my, comedy in it works. My problem with this guy, you know, I look, I, I'll hand it to him for loving these old universal monsters enough to try to breathe new life into them. But in my opinion, he's taking these classic characters that could be used for good instead of evil. <laughs> and he's making these, he's making these dopey, uh, CGI heavy action movies out of these classic monsters. I would like to see a movie called Van Helsing that was about an ass kicking, you know, vampire slayer that's dealing with Frankenstein and the Wolfman and all these monsters that they run into in that movie. I would like to see a real scary, gritty, cool movie. And I just think, I just feel like he gives us these glossy, goofy cartoons you know and i, I don't know. i don't appreciate it uh, fair fair enough i mean like i said i do i am a fan of the original mommy i didn't like any of the sequels because it took everything that was that i did like about the first mommy and then you know by the second one he's right. he's a member of the old guard and she's a, a reincarnated princess and it just gets real you know it's like okay fine now it's right you know now it's just ridiculous but not that it wasn't ridiculous before but now it's like <laughs> ridiculous to the point that i don't even want to watch anymore is i guess the best way to put it yeah. um but i think yeah van helsing was was a disappointment and he hasn't done much since those uh, at least not well, that I've got Joe movies, I think. Is yeah. Oh, he's done the GI Joe movies. Yeah, okay. He, but, he really... butchered those for us. Yeah. I was going to say, I haven't really, uh, <laughs> so thanks really Steven Summers. Out, uh, yeah. I haven't thanks, really paid uh, attention to those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's keep moving. You guys, we got an email here from Julian and actually <clears throat> this came into another podcast that I'm on called the donut show, but I wanted to read it here cause he refers to this show. He's a fan of horror movie podcast as well. So this is from Julian. He says, 
Hi, Jason, Willis, and Keith. And yes, that's Willis Wheeler, for those out there who know the wild man himself. He says, firstly, let me say what a great show you guys have. I'm a huge fan of all the work you put out, movie podcast, weekly horror, which I think he was referring to this one, and Terror Troop, etc. I've chosen the donut show to get in touch with as I heard Keith say that he feels that a podcast should be around the hour mark. And was that as a listener or a podcaster? And what are you and Willis's preferences? And where I'm coming from is I recently quit my job to pursue my dream of doing my art full time. So now I work at my home studio. And as my wife and children are out all day, my only human interaction is with you and all the other co-presenters. So you've (laughs) basically become my new work colleagues (laughs) and so ideally for me a podcast would run for at least a couple of hours i'm loving the four plus hour episodes that you've been putting out (laughs) and he's referring to these on this show Mm -hmm. also i would like to add please don't underestimate the joy you bring and the effect you can have on the listeners lives even as far away as from london england which is where i'm from wonderful i myself have due to it you know, spoken about on the shows have started flossing regularly, <laughs> purchased the Dave Eaton Element album, the Puffy Chair, and Lupin Louie for my kids, of course. And I even had grilled chicken with Frank Red Hot Sauce for dinner one night after Boss Butcher mentioned it during his guest appearance. Anyway, keep up the great work and I will see you in the office Monday morning. Many thanks, Julian. So I just thought I'm that assuming was, we would all get all those inside jokes if we were better listeners to the donut show. <laughs> I got, I got, I got most of them. Yeah. I, Cause I have been, I have listened to the donut show, but uh, it, he actually says what, what many, many people, and this is going back to the days of planet macabre uh, would say that the longer, the better. I mean, one of the things, I mean, these things, a lot of times people download these to their iPods or to whatever device they can pause it and they can, you know, come back to the show later on. That's what I do with, with some of the ones I listen to. I mean, very few of the, of the ones that I listen to on a regular basis are an hour long. I mean, some of them run for two and a half hours or, or at least an hour and a half. And if you can't listen all at once, you, you just pause it and then you come back, you, you know, you pick it up uh, later on. I mean, that's just one of the benefits of, of doing a podcast. I don't see why they would need to be limited to an hour. I don't see why if, if conversations going on, why you would feel the need to limit it. You know, if, especially if, if, if you, if you're on a roll with something. Amen. I mean, I think a lot of early podcasts were about an hour because they were actually just public radio shows that were being broadcast. So they were taking NPR shows like this American life and turning them into podcasts or the right. Moth radio lab. And so as podcasting has grown into its own form, I think, yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things about it is it can be long form, but I think there's room for everything. You know, I I, I hate on a discussion podcast to limit it to a certain time because then you just feel like you're, you know, you're not exploring the the topic as well as you you, you can if you're like, well, an hour's up, so it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. If someone's got a stopwatch running on you. Um, you, you're going to, you're going to pick and choose what you have to say about something. And if you, and you're going to sort of do some self editing that Having you wouldn't that, otherwise do. I think there are, are a lot of people who prefer shorter podcasts. I've noticed, um, because, um, you know, I post, <laughs> I post about all the podcasts I do on my Facebook page and Twitter and I have people respond to me and be like, well, I was trying to find, you know, cause on movie podcast weekly, we'll review a new movie that's in theaters each week. And so we get a lot of people 
listening to that podcast, trying to get to what the feature review is for that week to see if they want to go out to the movie theater. And so I'll have someone post like, oh, I was trying to get to your, you know, gravity review, but man, you guys talked for like an hour before you even got to it. And I like lost track and didn't finish it. So I think for people who aren't avid podcast listeners, right. They prefer something shorter. Um, I've been doing movie streamcast recently. And with those episodes, we try to keep to 10 minutes. And I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, thanks for these. These are much more easily digestible and, but like you said, people who don't normally listen to podcasts and who, if right. you weren't on them, if you weren't on them, might not even listen at all. Right. And I personally love long form because I'm an avid podcast listener myself. You know, I, I'm listening to podcasts most of my day. But, um, but you know, I was also right before I took over Movie Streamcast from Jason, I noticed, man, I really like these short ones because you can kind of blast through. You build up like 13 of them, and then it's kind of like having one big long podcast, you know. Right. You blast through mm-hmm. a bunch of them at once. Um, so it's still long form after all. So <laughs> I guess so. I suppose so. And I listen to some that are that are on the, um, on the shorter side. There's uh, one called, um, and it comes from England actually, called The Flicks the Church Forgot. It's it's a it's an ordained minister reviewing horror films, and he'll he'll talk about the movies and then um, follow it up with a, with a second episode where he actually tries to bring in how it fits into um, you know uh, biblical messages and and so forth, um, and he oh, does that with it's it is a very interesting podcast and it's a solo cast. He does a, a tremendous job with it, and they usually run about twenty. Uh, you know, man, not even maybe 15, 16 minutes each, um, you know, with, with, with each one. And um, it's very interesting, you know, the way he puts them together. So there are some shorter ones that I listen to as well, uh, but I don't always get turned off by, by length. Uh, you know, some of them, um, I listen to the B-movie cast and they've been running two and a half hours. Uh, it's not the know, length, it's what you do with it, Dave. That's exactly right. <laughs> I knew that Josh had come in with that really mature joke. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm talking seriously here. That's what she said. Right. I'm glad you said it, Jason. I was thinking about it. And I said, no, I'm not going to go. <laughs> All right. So for, fan, for fans of Terror Toby, which I know we have some out there, he, he recently sent an email. It was kind of a mass email. And even though, well, this episode that you're listening to now comes out on Friday, December 20th, which is when this announcement is really for. So I, I seriously doubt that anybody listening to this will be able to attend this, but I'm just kind of putting it out there for FYI. But anyway, he, he's back in Utah visiting and he is presenting, he's screening a documentary that he completed and he's screening it up at the campus of the University of Utah on Friday night here in Salt Lake City, 7 p.m., it's an hour long, and so he invited you know everybody to come. It's free, and so um, I just wanted I thought people who are Terror Toby fans would be happy to hear that he finished his film. I think that was for his like, you know, is like one of his master's projects or something. So anyway, that's pretty cool, right? So congrats to Terror Toby. Yes, congrats, congratulations. That's great. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, and, uh, you know, best of luck with that film. I hope if, if I was uh, in the area, I would definitely swing by. Yeah, it's called Our Mobile Lives 2013. And he, he kind of talks about um, it addresses just our use of, um, I guess, 
social media and especially cell phones and texting, I think. It's one of those, it's an analytical type of film. But anyway. The length of podcasts and what the proper length of podcast should be. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, I would have loved to have gone to it. And actually, I I would have reviewed it on Movie Podcast Weekly. (laughs) <laughs> but but uh no i can't make it so anyway good luck terror there you go <laughs> sorry. sorry buddy anyway okay this next email is from josh minor and he's the guy that i called um a hardcore legit fan you know he is from reading his emails so um josh writes horror gurus which is very gracious, by the way. I thought that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. I certainly wouldn't call myself that, but no, that's... <laughs> Generous, yes. Yes, he absolutely. Said, he said, thanks for reading my email on the podcast. You will probably be getting a few emails from me, which is great. We love it. He said, I have a scary story to tell myself. That will be another time, though. Nowadays, I usually get my horror movie um, experiences from Netflix or the theater. Most of the movies are crap on Netflix, But there are a few good ones that I have run across that you should check out if you haven't already. The Shrine, The Pact, American Mary, which by the way, um, Josh, I'm going to be talking about that one. I've been trying to get to to talk about that one on the past few episodes. That one's coming up for me. Cool. And uh, Wakewood, The Maze, Lovely Molly, which I liked, and Uninhabited are all good. Um, they aren't going to be put in any top lists, but they would be in all the five to six range by your rating system. They all have something in them that I liked, but they do all have flaws. I've always wondered if the horror genre has run out of fresh ideas and we aren't going to get another solid fresh franchise or even another new idea. Most of the newer ones, Saw, Paranormal Activity, have lost steam and are just being made just because. Most of the newer horror movies are just taking ideas from older movies. Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale come to mind, even though I like those movies. Hell, The Conjuring and Sinister, I feel the same way about. All good movies, but nothing that has blown me away. I want to feel that excitement that I felt when I watched The Descent in a dark theater and felt that claustrophobia terror right along with them. Or hearing a vampire go... God? No God. And 30 Days of Night. And feeling the hopelessness also. Those two are about the only ones lately that had anywhere near the same impact as watching The Exorcist or Hellraiser for the first time. Next, I like the discussion of the film festival and how that has seen some pretty good movies from them. Living in Iowa, I don't get a chance to check festivals out that much. After Dark was here a couple years in a row, but the only thing worthwhile I saw come out of that was Borderlands. Although it is a little easier to see the horror movies with all the technology we have these days. But what's the point if we aren't going to get quality movies to watch? I'm always going to be a horror movie fan. And I hope that I'm one of those 80-year-olds sitting in the theater watching what has come out at the time. If theaters are still around. It will be interesting to see what the future holds for us horror movie fans. I just hope we don't have to wait too long until something comes out that is worthy of being on an all-time top list. Until next time, I'll end with one of my favorite horror movie quotes that you won't be able to read on the podcast. And it's, quote, Boy, the next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant Mark Twain, (laughs) because it's definitely (laughs) getting chiseled on your tombstone. 
Otis. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, that is great. I, that, that is, well, you know what? There, there are, I would recommend, there are some that I would recommend uh, he check out, um, you know, as far as original. And the one he meant, The Descent, is a great example of that. Oh, I mean, man. I had that same experience of sitting in the theater and, and you are on edge well before those monsters show up because of that claustrophobia. I mean, oh, I said yeah. it before. So that movie is great. But I would also say, you know what? Um, if you don't mind subtitles, definitely check out Let the Right One In. You know, I thought that was an original take on on vampires. And then actually another vampire movie was one that we've talked about several times, even on this show, Stakeland. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I would say Thirst, is if you're going to go the foreign vampire route, that adds a whole new dimension to the vampire genre as well. Mm-hmm. And and right now, streaming on Netflix, they got um, the collection, which is you know uh, the sequel to the Collector. It's one of the mm-hmm. sequels, and that's actually a pretty good, pretty good slasher. And he's probably seen that, but that's streaming. So I just wanted to tell him about that. I was also going to tell him that um, Jason, you reviewed or many reviewed uh, Lovely Molly on episode twenty of Movie Podcast Weekly. Yes. Um, in case he's curious to hear your review of that film. And it looks like you also talked about VHS on that episode as well. That's right. And also streaming too. And um, boy, my memory is, is, I don't know where my memory is going. I know I've talked about this recently, but when was it that we talked about Elijah Wood's Maniac? Where was that? <laughs> uh, that was you and I on um, the previous, was it the, the previous um, episode? Oh, okay. Of, of- the of this of this current series yeah <laughs> okay good to see you. there's so many podcasts but yeah mania well, i mean you do have a, you do have a lot of irons in the fire so we'll forgive you <laughs> not remembering <laughs> but but yeah that maniac remake is um streaming right now and that's worth checking out i mean if you're talking about you know stuff that's streaming and by the and way that is a unique take on that is a remake that is completely different i mean even even in the very the, the way it's presented from the original I mean, you can watch those two movies together and just get a, they're two completely different experiences. If you are talking about streaming films, one I'm going to check out this week for the holidays is that St. Nick or Sint. Um, yeah. It's streaming on Netflix. That uh, looks really cool. Yeah, the Dutch <laughs> Dutch movie about the killer Santa Claus. So. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that one out. And also, you know, this is a, a snow cold weather theme one, but um, I liked and I don't think everybody liked this, but I, I was fond of ATM, actually. I think that's a pretty cool flick. Have you guys seen ATM? I, I haven't, but I just heard somebody else on another podcast uh, recommend that movie it, as, it, as one to check out. Talk about it. It's seriously, like for me at least, it was a very pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting much out of that. But Is that I, Josh Peck in it? Is that the one that has Josh Peck in it? Yeah, um, I, I believe so. I'm, I'm not okay. as good with actors as you are. Um, All right. Well, I, he was in a show my kids watched on Nickelodeon, uh, Drake and Josh, and then <laughs> so every time I see that kid, and he he's made a few movies. Um, he's the know, guy that's in that, uh, that movie you love, Jason. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm blanking on it. I'm sorry. Frozen. Uh, mean Frozen? Creek. What? Mean Creek. Oh, I love Mean, mean Creek. Creek. Yes, he was in Mean Creek, and he did an excellent job in Mean Creek. He was the bully. Oh, yep. okay, okay. Yeah, now you're talking. Yeah, I think I think Josh Peck is an ATM. As I look down through here, yep, he is. He and he had the misfortune of being in the uh, Red Dawn remake too. Oh, that's terrible! <laughs> everybody, everybody out there, never watch the Red Dawn remake. It's not horror, but it's it's horrifying how awful right, it is. Right. Um, 
uh, also mentioned earlier in this episode, Josh's review of Devil's Pass. I see that streaming on Netflix, Josh. And I am so excited about that. I'm definitely going to watch that. And I'm sure maybe some of the younger listeners haven't seen it. But for me, um, people can make fun of me all they want. But my scariest movie probably is still Pet Cemetery from 1989. That's streaming currently on Netflix. Watch instantly. So I'm looking down through here. Well, if, we're, if we're throwing out scariest, then, def- then check out a couple of Asian horror movies. Uh, you know, Zhuan is for me that was that's my top one of the millennium so far because of just how much it it unnerved me and um the original the eye uh is very creepy and has some really cool ideas and some and some awesome concepts in there as well it's it's just overall a good movie um and a couple scenes with ghosts that are <laughs> among the most among the creepiest I've I've seen. Um, and you know, right up there was Juan. Actually, I, I, you you've seen that one, Josh? The original, the eye. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, great. that's that is a great movie. And then that ending scene and and just the the uh, it's wow. You know that, that I, I have not seen the remake, and the reason I haven't seen the remake is because I like the first one so much. I just don't want to. I don't even want to bother with it. Like I, uh, it's I just don't want to. I, I've not. Have you seen the remake? Let me put it that way. Have you seen no, that I one? I haven't seen the remake. Okay. No. I don't want to see the remake. I just because I'm such a fan of the original. I don't want to sort of cloud it with uh, with the remake. Looks like Ty West's films are both streaming on uh, Netflix right now. House of the Devil and Innkeepers. Those are movies I'd recommend checking out for. Yeah, like, I, I different would, takes. I, I would too. They're they're um, definitely slower burns, but I think they both are uh, are worth watching, especially the Innkeepers. I really did like that one. Oh, I love the House of the Devil. I'm I was going to say the opposite. I think House of the Devil pays off maybe a little bit more, but oh man, and, and I don't know. I like, I like House. I like House of the Devil. I enjoy that movie too, but I really did like The Innkeepers. One of my favorite recent monster movies is from 2006, The Host. Uh, that's a Korean movie. Oh, that's that is cool. really that's that really is, cool. I, just, I covered that one on the block recently. I, that's one of the. I love that movie. I that's have, streaming I, that's, on Netflix right now. That is a lot of fun. That's one of the one of the best monster movies I think uh, to come out in a while. Have you guys seen the trailer for the new Godzilla? No, I've been afraid oh, to. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it looks awesome. It really? does look awesome, doesn't it? it looks. It looks. Oh, nice. like, it takes everything that that the that the Matthew Broderick film did wrong and corrects it. Um, and it, it's it it's looks so good. It does. It looks real. I can't wait for that movie to come out. I'm really looking forward to checking that but one out. Jason, it's directed by a guy you don't like, the guy who directed Monsters. So, oh well, I mean, as long as he actually does something with it this time, <laughs> like Monsters was such a dead end. And oh my goodness. Anyway, oh, it's like a Monsters. That was the one with um, that was a, uh, the tall, the the the, the big McCary. creatures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember seeing that. Did anything? I didn't. Th- I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but I didn't think it was terrible. Oh, no, I didn't think boy. it was at all. Jason didn't. You know, like- I, I, oh, I, I, oh, what Dead Snow we've been talking about is streaming on Netflix right now. So, oh, there's watch one. That right yeah, okay. one of- there's one. I've got a I've got a list right here. I've been collecting for people. Okay, since and these are all streaming currently at the release this episode. Absentia. It's a very low budget. You know, horror film. And um, not for everybody, but I tell you, I thought it was scary. No kidding. Another one that gets a lot of praise is Bereavement. I'm sure people have probably seen that. And then Doc talked about Kidnap, that that really hardcore one, that home invasion one that Doc 
you know, talked about what in episode two, I think. Yeah, that's so, no, that, yeah, that was one that was in my top twenty. Um, right, uh, that was in my top twenty list. Definitely, if you get a chance, uh, you know, check out. It's not. It's it is a disturbing movie, uh, but it's very. It's I think it's better than The Strangers, personally. Mm, nice, nice. So yeah, that's on my list to see, and then. Um, Chain Letter, which I know you guys covered on Planet Macabre. I I really like Chain Letter. That's yeah, that's that's sort of one that that, that I enjoy too. Um, you know, it's not a great slasher movie, but it's not it's it's not bad. I mean, it's 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 very entertaining. I think. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then uh, another one is um, it's called Primal. That one's really fun, and uh, <laughs> I, I, that's kind of it's got some surprises in it. So you should definitely check out Primal. And then um, there's one last one I just want to ask. I want to see if it's still on here, and then we'll move on. Sorry, I've been just going down through the queue. But I see it was called High Lane, and I love this movie. I I love this movie. Not a fan. <laughs> and Josh is not a fan, but I, listeners, I just say this respectfully. Josh is wrong about this one, and and I, I, I really want the listeners to watch this. This is my big recommendation for the week. I didn't have a, a Beastly Freaks on here, and this is not a Beastly Freaks movie, so sorry, but this will be my big recommendation for this episode. High Lane from 2009. It's currently streaming on Netflix. Watch instantly. Be patient. The first half, you know, it, it turns into something horrific, and it's worth it. Have you seen that one, Doctor Shock? No, no, I haven't. Oh, it's it's. I a, haven't, but uh, sounds see. interesting. I love it. I love it. It's about these hikers, these mountain climbers. You know, they're doing the mountain climbing, and it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of um, the descent and the way it's like. You know, the mountain climbing part is is perilous and scary enough in in and of itself. You know, right? But then they encounter a greater danger, and they're not monsters mm-hmm. or anything like that. But um, Pretty crazy. So high. I'm looking. Lane. We're talking about crazy, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about like IFC movies um, that have been released on on uh, uh, DVD. I'm looking at like IFC Midnight now. I'm just looking at my collection. I pulled it up because there's a few interesting ones here, like The Horde. Oh yeah. Uh, the mm-hmm. the French zombie movie, which is streaming. Um, yeah, Doghouse um, is yeah. a really fun zombie comedy. Also streaming. Um, yeah, that was one worth uh, worth checking out. Also, um, one that we covered, I want to say, was it on uh, the weekly horror movie, The Red, White, and Blue? Oh yeah, that was a. Now that's most. That's for the majority of its of the opening. It's a drama, but then it gets into a very dark area. Um, <laughs> at the, the end of that, I mean, that movie ends very it's a very dark film at the at the end there that's a pretty unforgettable review i remember you guys reviewing that and <laughs> it was hilarious yeah yeah there's noah taylor in it and it's 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 i would say it's worth checking out at least once um and then uh, one i haven't seen yet but which josh is talking about and i guess i'm going to watch maybe soon is uh saint nick is another one from yeah. that um from that group and that's uh from the netherlands you know talking about uh dealing with uh uh, it's the Santa Claus legend, yeah. So that's uh, and Maniac is is also from IFC Midnight. Nice, yeah. The, the IFC the uh, the remake. And if I could just talk about two movies that are streaming right now um, on Netflix that are a little bit older. One that's a favorite of mine from 1982 called Visiting Hours. 
This is one that the poster was just ingrained in my brain as a kid. Yes, with that, with that, with that skull. Yes. Yeah, one of the coolest all-time movie posters. Um, and the movie's worth watching, and it's streaming right now. But the other one I I haven't seen, and judging from the poster, it looks awesome. Have you guys seen Vincent Price's uh, Madhouse from 1974? I saw that a while ago. Yeah, that is. Man, that looks cool. I, lo- I Well, I'm a Vincent Price fan. I just watched the Abominable Dr. Fives again recently. But yes, I would, I would back <laughs> you up on that one. I would back Man, you up awesome. on that one. Well, good. Well, I hope we hooked Josh up there with at least some picks. Maybe he hasn't watched. But I, I, I get that his sentiment. And I know what you're saying, Josh. And, you know, I, I just think that. Ultimately, the problem is I don't I used to think this, too. It's like Hollywood's run out of ideas. They're not creative anymore. But it's just it's all about the money and what sells. And if they get a property that has been successful in the past. But I tell you, um, Jason Blum of Blumhouse Productions, he's been doing some great things. And so I'm not saying that he's the rebirth of horror cinema. But, um, you know, with people like him out there, I mean, I think we're going in good directions at least. For sure. Yeah, so. definitely. I, w- I would agree with you. No, you know what? Is another one actually might be worth checking out is Hard Candy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a with, good movie to check with, out. Uh, with Ellen Page and was it Patrick Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> More of like a torture porny type of movie, but it, it is. It it's is. A fun but I one. think it's, yeah, I think it's, you know, the way it's handled. Really even, good performances. And even Magnet, um, I was looking at theirs. There's movies and these, these sometimes are streaming. Um, there's one Shuttle from 2008. That's a pretty good movie, and another one I, I'm really a big fan of is is The Signal from 2007. Mm, interesting. It's an interesting. It's an interesting movie, and in the three filmmakers made it. You know, three directors. Yeah. Each directed a different segment. It's all the same story, but then all three of them have a different tone. Very different. You know, one of them is comedic. One of them is like really the opening's really intense. Then it's comedic, and then the end is very sort of psychological. But yet it all works together, and it mm. all is telling the same story, and that's. One definitely worth checking out. Again, that's from 2007. Yeah, The Signal. I, I recommend that one to pretty much everybody. Awesome. Okay, well, let's keep on moving here and hopefully. And I'm, we- I'm, I'm pretty bummed out that I bought Devil's Pass and didn't like it and then just found out that it's streaming. And now the guy I was going to give it to doesn't even want it because it's streaming. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I do. I, I really do. I really do. Okay, our next email is from Gary. And it says, Hey, Jay, just got through episode three. Thanks so much for the shout out. And this is one of those emails that was kind of saved from before. So sorry, Gary, it took so long to get to it. He said, I've been making a list of your more recommended movies from all the podcasts and watching the stuff that's available on Netflix streaming. That's funny because it's just what we were talking about. He said, I just checked out We Are the Night. <clears throat> liked it a lot. And I Saw the Devil. Really liked this one. Kind of harsh. Um, will oh. be. Do you remember that one? It's hardcore. Incredible movie. I Saw yeah. the Devil. Yeah, that one. That's a good. Love that movie. That's a big recommendation. We'll be watching The Horde and a few others this weekend. Would love to hear a review of the Friday the 13th reboot. I think I'm in the minority who love this movie. I'll just say right now, I love that movie too. I actually, I was really pleased with the reboot. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. I'm surprised they haven't, I'm surprised they haven't followed it up with anything. I thought it made money. Yeah, I think they are. I think it's um, 2015. Early in 2015 is what I heard. That's a long time. I mean, I'm used to those movies coming out every year. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So anyway, where is that anyway? But anyway, he says, saw it in theaters with friends. The first 30 minutes were insane. 
Before they even show the title, you got ear amputation, bear trap, sleeping bag on fire, machete to the head, machete through the leg and hand, and the reversal of Mrs. Voorhees' head. <laughs> Some really good kills throughout, and I thought Jason, while a departure from the slow, marauding figure we're used to, was just as scary and looked amazing. And yeah, and I loved his, um, I always always forget his name, but I, I love that guy who, was it Derek? Played Jason. His name escapes sure. me right now, but I love that guy. And I have a movie streaming on Netflix now that I think you will absolutely love being a beastly freak nut. This movie is called Grabbers. So this is the guy, Gary, who recommended Grabbers. And he said it's set in Ireland, basically a big bloodthirsty ball, tentacles, toothy mouth, a spiky tongue. It comes to the earth and begins snagging up the locals. And Josh and I reviewed that on our last episode. Um, the only was the... The combat, the wriggling mass, and its offspring is to keep the blood alcohol level high. <laughs> a comedy horror for sure, but the effects are fantastic. Uh, the creature looks superb, and I already want to rewatch it, and it may suggest it for my friend's monthly gore fest to get together. And he said he was already looking forward to the next episode. So, yep, we liked Grabbers, too. It was pretty fun, huh, Josh? Yeah, I was a little mixed on it, but I loved the premise for sure. I thought it was a great premise. Yeah, we were in the mid-range on it. We, I think we both gave the same score, like 5.5, right? Something like that. I liked it. I wanted to like it more. That was my, that's the only thing. You know what I mean? It was one of those movies, like, oh, I just wish it was a little bit better so it could be one of my all-time favorite Me movies. Me too. You know? <laughs> Me too, buddy. But it's still cool. And then, uh, finally, our last email is from uh, C.T. Mills. And he said, hey, guys, sad to see Dr. Walking Dead go, but Dr. Shock is always a welcome voice to hear. I've just got a couple of comments to respond to your guys' prompts. My favorite horrors have always been slashers. I got started on Halloween, 74's Chainsaw, and so many others from the Golden Age, or at least what I consider the Golden Age of horror. However, I've never been scared during a slasher, at least since I hit puberty. I might get grossed out or startled by a jump scare, but they don't stick with me. Sure, if I were in that situation, I'd be losing my skin as my bones jump out, but that's just not my everyday. <laughs> when I want to be scared... <laughs> my go-to has always been a good supernatural haunted house or possession movie the conjuring was perfect for that and movies that lead up to the conjuring are what really get me searching for my safety blanket sure there are a lot of flops in that subgenre but what subgenre of horror doesn't have its fair share of wasteland crap now in response to dr shock's religious upbringing i was not raised with religion in fact i would describe my childhood as being raised in the lack of religion it wasn't until I was eight or nine years old and a friend had mentioned he couldn't come over that weekend because of Sunday school and my confusion over what, why he would have to go to school on a Sunday that I first learned about the idea of a God. I'm a fairly strong agnostic, a fence sitter, if you will. I'm also pretty skeptical toward the idea of ghosts, but man, that's something that can freak me out. I hate the idea of being watched when you don't know it. When the door blows open and no one's there, but the hairs on the back of your neck are trying to tell you that something is. And that's the stuff that I take home with me and keep me up at night. Anyway, I'll cut myself off here before I ramble too much, but looking forward to the next cast. You guys rock. CT. So thank you for that email. It's awesome. Yes, definitely. I like to hear what scares the listeners and what they're into. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 and I'm with you. The, the thought of a ghost. I mean, all of us right now are probably sitting in a room where we think we're completely alone. And <laughs> we're the not. fact that there could be people standing there looking at us as we're doing this is. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <unsettling>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Santa's watching, Santa's creeping. Now you're nodding, now you're sleeping. Were you good for mom and dad? Santa knows if you've been bad. Well, I know we got to get going here, but I um, just want to wrap up episode five for Movie Podcast by saying I want to thank everyone for listening. I was looking at the stats earlier and I noticed that after only four episodes, I won't say which podcast, but this has doubled the downloads of a podcast of ours, a different podcast that has been going well over a year. <laughs> So, um, well, let's not narrow that down a little bit. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, I'm on so many. I mean, I don't know if people could, but I just want to thank everybody for their support. That's cool to have that many downloads, you know, this early on. So we love your comments. Um, Please keep them coming. You can comment by leaving it in the show notes or email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail, just like our friend Levi did, the man who loves the ginger dead man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's at 801-382-8789 and we'll play your message on the show let's see you can subscribe free in itunes please do that and leave us a review and we're also on twitter and i just want to thank fred ingram for the use of his music for a horror movie podcast theme song and you can find fred's music at frederickingram.com and i just want to go to my co-hosts and see if you have any final words to say tonight before we go what do you got josh well, i'm on movie podcast weekly with jason where we review new movies each week also, I have uh, the movie Streamcast, where we talk about movies that are streaming online. That's one of those short-form ones I was talking about. It's only 10 minutes long each week, so that's kind of fun one as well. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Icarus Arts, and I like uh, responding to everybody's comments and stuff, so just keep those comments coming, and we'll have some good interaction, hopefully. Okay, Doc? Yeah, it's always as always great. I enjoyed talking with you guys. Um, it's always a lot of fun. Um, I'm also on, uh, you can check me out on Land of the Creeps uh, with Greg Amortis and Haddonfield Hatchet. Um, it's, it's another horror podcast that I do. I was originally on uh, the Horror Palace Network along with uh, Weekly Horror. And um, check out my blog, dvdinfatuation.com. I'm watching 2,500 movies on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, new one every day. And I'm kind of excited because uh, by the time, I think it's around the middle of January, I'll finally hit the halfway point. Wow. That's a must-check-out website if you haven't yet, listeners. If you love movies, that is your place. It's an incredible dvdinfatuation.com. And definitely, if you're on Twitter, follow Doc on Twitter. He sends out some awesome movie trivia all day long. Really good stuff coming through constantly. All day long. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm having fun. It's a lot of work, but I'm having a good time with it. All right. I think that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Episode 5, and we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, thanks for listening, and you can join us again in two weeks when we'll be giving you our 2013 recap and looking ahead to what's coming in 2014 for Horror Movie Podcast. 